everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Bake. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the new limited series from Mike Flanagan on Netflix, Midnight Mass. This week, we are covering the first episode titled Book One, Genesis. <sighs> so, so excited. But before, before we get into our pre-show banter, I do want to just give a shout out to us, Strange Indeed. <laughs> Get to toot our horns a little bit because I, I definitely, um, I posted this on our Facebook page, but I'll say it again. I fell asleep at the wheel here that we are celebrating four years here at Strange Indeed. Um, and congrats to you. I've only been on this ride the past one year, but it's crazy to me, even though I've done like a full year with you already. But I know but you've been trucking this thing for for four is awesome. Thanks. Well, you're a part of the journey too. So congratulations to you too. And, and I, you know, gave a shout out to Sean as well and reached out to him and, you know, cause I mean, he started the whole journey with him and, and, you know, we had did this for, for that many years. And I just, when I saw that, I was like four years, it does not feel like four years. I feel like maybe one or two, but when I saw, I was like four, oh my God. Um, and you guys are still listening. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so thankful. Um, I, I'm just, I feel just really grateful, um, to still be here podcasting. I still love doing it. Um, and I'm, I, I just, I'm grateful. I, I don't know what else to say. I just, I'm glad to still be here. I'm glad that we still have some listeners. I feel like um, we've definitely built a relationship with everyone throughout the years. Um, and I'm grateful for everyone that still listens to us and keeps us relevant. Um, yeah. You know, thank you to everyone for being here for these four years. It's it's awesome and it feels great. So thank you. I know that a lot of folks don't always follow us on our social media. Um, so I just want to make sure that if you listen to us here, then, um, you, you know, kind of knew that. And I wanted to say thank you, um, to everyone so for being here. Yeah. So four years. That's, that's awesome. Um, I, I wish I had known when it happened. It was like September 8th, I think was the four year <laughs> anniversary that we published our first episode four years ago. Um, because, you know, I could have taken the whole month celebrated the whole month. That's because right. that's, you know, I, I'm that person that'll take like the whole birthday month when it's my birthday. It's like, <laughs> you know, beginning of April, I'm like, it's my birthday. And someone who knows me like your birthday is not till like the 24th. I'm like, but it's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm that obnoxious. Um, I make no apologies anyway. So when to get that out there uh, because I'm still floating on a cloud um, over our little anniversary here and just want to kind of mention it while we're here recording. Um, but let's get to why we are here for this episode. We had a little bit of a break because we just finished up covering Sweet Tooth, had a little bit of a, a, a break because uh, now we're covering uh, the new show um, that has come out. It just came out yesterday. So we're recording a little early to kind of get an episode out for you guys, because one, we're excited to talk about it. Two, we want to try and give you guys a little treat because um, we know that everyone wants to hear something very quickly. Um, so Midnight Mass, uh, this amazing show, it's getting a lot of buzz. Um, I saw just a few days ago without like spoilers and stuff. It's getting some great critical acclaim um, yeah. from a lot of people. Um, I, I'm, I'm loving it so far. What are your 
general thoughts so far on this first episode? Man, um, it is definitely setting up something really special. I think it's going to be, I mean, it definitely, the, the creepy factor and scary factor of this first episode was pretty low and, yes. you know, general, like there was, I mean, there was definitely some setup and things for that, but overall it was just a lot of setup, getting to know the characters, know the setting, kind of the story, what's about to be going down, what's going on. I can see it's going to go to some really dark and scary places for sure in these yes. episodes, but but as like a setup episode, I was very enthralled and definitely excited to to jump into this world on the Crockett Island for a little bit. <laughs> good, good. Well, I know that um, be part of the crockpot. Yes, yes. Well, I know. Um, you know, you and I had had chatted previously when we talk about shows that we, that are interesting to us and that we want to cover, and you had expressed interest. So it, it really makes me super happy to know that after watching the first episode, that that you know, so far you're loving it and you're totally into it mm-hmm. um, and you're ready for the ride. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm thrilled. Um, it's only seven episodes. Um, so I, I feel like that's, a, I, I feel like we're like, he's really like Mike Flanagan is really like going to pace this out. Just perfect. He's only going to give us what we need. It's not going to be stretched out too much. We're not going to get a lot. I don't, I don't feel like we're going to get a lot of filler. Like it's going to mm-hmm. be just right. I, I just have a really, really good feeling yeah. about this show. Um, so I, I'm stoked and I, I loved everything about it. I think the way, and I don't want to go into too many details because I know we're going to talk about it in our points, but I'm just so excited. <laughs> like, you know, everything like from the opening of the show, um, how they introduced the island and the characters and how everything just unfolded and how we're meeting these people and how it's sketched out that it feel like it felt like an old Stephen King novel. Yes. Didn't it just, wasn't like a great introduction? Isn't that how it kind of felt like those first like five, 10 pages of a Stephen King novel? Definitely. Oh, really good. Really good comparison. I like that. (laughs) that, that, That's just what my thoughts were as I'm watching. I was like, gosh, I feel like I'm, um, instead of like reading, like I'm seeing a visual of one of his old books, um, Mm -hmm. how it's just coming out. And I'm just, I'm super stoked about the show. Um, I, I love Mike Flanagan. I mean, this, we love him here on Strange Indeed. We've, we've covered Haunting of Hill House, Bly Manor. Um, we've talked about Dr. Sleep. Um, you know, <sighs> Gerald's Game, his remake that he did yeah. of Gerald's Game. Um, I think he's just fantastic. And I think he's a, a just a brilliant filmmaker. And I love, like, he can scare the hell out of you and give you this nightmare fuel, but mm-hmm. at the same time touches your soul. I that's great that you pull that because I was talking to somebody earlier today at work about that where, you know, I was telling them, oh yeah, this is, I'm recording. We're starting a new show, you know, this evening, <laughs> and kind of telling about this like they she won't watch anything remotely scary at all. But so I was like, yeah. you're not gonna like it. But I was like, but I'll kind of give you an idea of the first episode so you kind of see what's going on. Yeah. And I was like, what I love, what we love about Flanagan, and what we're doing is like, he's the kind of guy that like will make you just like piss yourself in terror. Like it's just horrifying and scary one scene and then the very next scene you're crying over some emotional heartfelt connection that somebody's having like it's yes it's really good the way he balances horror and like emotion and like I can tell the family drama and meaningful stuff like that is going to be really deep with this show and mm-hmm. I'm so excited to see where he goes on all of those different routes I know I, he has not disappointed me yet. And and you are so right. And that's what I love. I mean, everything from 
um, Haunting of Hill House, you know, where, I mean, my God, I have never, I'd have to go back and think, but that is definitely in my top five of the most scared I have ever Episode been. Nine, right? <laughs> <Whew>. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I mean, and look, I don't scare easy. I watch, I grew up on horror from the time I was five years old that I can remember like watching Poltergeist, um, the exorcist and the, the, yeah, that one lingers bad, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I'm not a, you know, um, is not my first day with, with anything horror. So I'm a little bit immune. I've got a little bit of a, you know, it takes, takes something special to like break through my barrier there. And, um, damn, if, if honey of Hill house, not only scared the hell out of me, I mean, pulling like jumping and like other times pulling the covers over my head. Like I'm a little (laughs) kid again, not even kidding here. Um, but then, like you said, the next minute you were just bawling like a baby. Mm-hmm. Bly Manor, holy hell! Oh, did yeah. did how many tears did we shed over that? Right. So so yeah, I'm I'm super excited. I'm I'm kind of expecting the same thing a little bit here. I I know maybe not this. I think the scares might be a little bit different. Um, just I don't know if this is going to be spoilery. I haven't seen um anything past this first episode, but Mike Flanagan did tweet out. Um, so I don't think it's too spoilery to say it since he did tweet it out to not like don't look for hidden ghosts. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, you know, which I feel like is something exactly someone who's got hidden ghosts in the background <laughs> is going to tell you like, don't right. look for hidden ghosts, but Oh, look, look over there. Um, so yeah. And I'm freaking myself out again, as I'm sitting here looking at myself on camera, like <laughs> what's back there behind the corner. Um, so I don't know. I don't expect any of that, but I, I expect some scares in a different way. Yeah. And then I also expect that connection. So I'm super excited. I love this whole religious theme mm-hmm. that we're getting. Um, so big, big. Um, I don't like getting my hopes upset so high, but it's 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 there, and I can't help it. So yeah, I'm I'm super excited to talk about this one, and I really want to jump into our top five. So if you're ready, I it. am. All right, great. Let's do it. What is your number five? Number five is actually what you just mentioned right there at the end. Oh, excellent. Kind of lay the baseline. I figured what's what better first point of this whole show to talk about than just the religious aspect of it. And a lot of it is like, kind of just kind of get this out of the way and like lay it clear with even like the the listeners here. There's like where, you know, I'm coming from and maybe, you know, you was like kind of to see where this is at, because it's going to be really interesting knowing just the religious aspects of this show Mm -hmm. are going to be really interesting because it's kind of, it's a background I come from. Um, You know, I was raised Christian. I was never Catholic. But, mm-hmm. you know, Protestant, there's still a lot of similarities with certain things. That, sure. You know, those. And, you know, just kind of religious family upbringings and stuff. Now, I don't subscribe to that necessarily anymore. My life, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a little different. You know, I, I don't consider myself Christian now. Mm-hmm. But it's I, I was raised that way. And I have a lot of still that like biblical like knowledge and teachings and under, you know, like things that I, I remember hearing and learning and that are still in there in my head floating around somewhere. So it'll yep. be interesting to see a lot of those things come up. And, and it's a lot of like parallels and memories. You know, I'll probably get into some personal stuff over these episodes. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, me too. About, you know, because, you know, the one thing that I really noticed a lot was when Ed played by Henry Thomas, our wonderful Henry Thomas. But yeah, our best friend. But, mm-hmm. Yes, our, our good, close, dear, <laughs> wonderful friend, Henry Thomas. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, when he goes in and tells Riley, you know, well, okay, you know, you have to go to church and this and that. It's like, but 
if you really believe that it's not for you and you don't believe in this stuff anymore, then I want you to sit back during communion. And it's interesting that his father led him that direction. But I remember even myself, I've been in that like middle ground of still attending church, even like outside of my parents, like finding my own church and doing my own thing. I was even just on my own for a while Mm -hmm. doing it. And I remember there was this middle ground where I was still attending church because I'm looking for something, but I purposely would sit back during communion and not partake because in my heart, I was like, I'm lying if I do this. Yeah. It's like, not that anybody would know, but like, I have respect enough for the church and the things that I'm there for. I was like, I'm not going to just openly like walk up and just tell a big lie to everybody like, yes, I partake of this when I accept this. Cause I don't, I don't know where, you know, I was like, this is not where I'm at right now. And so you know, this is cool because I don't really believe in any of it really anymore necessarily myself. I don't label myself or consider myself Christian, but I do try to hold a lot of respect for a lot of those things. And I'm not going to get on too much of a soapbox or anything like as long as we're not like using those things to hurt or oppress other people. But, you know, um, <laughs> you know, because I, I don't want this to turn into like a religious discussion podcast kind of thing, obviously, but, but I feel like a major gonna... plot point of this show. So I will say it's a big theme of the show. We're definitely going to be touching on some of that. Yeah, so we'll, come yeah. up, so... We'll, tr- we'll try to. I mean, yeah. I'm going to try and be as respectful as possible. Yeah, stay myself. pretty like yeah. to the you know, what's going on in the show. But mm-hmm. a lot of the aspects and plot and things of this show are going to be interesting to cover as a deconstructed ex-Christian myself. Like, it'll be really cool to see a lot of these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, former Catholic here, um, I was raised Catholic in a very religious Catholic upbringing. My grandmother was very devout. Um so I, I am very familiar with Catholic church and Catholic upbringing as Father Paul was going through mass and saying, you know, the introduction of the host and, and um, going through the, the, the rituals. I mean, that shit is like memorized in my head. The words yeah. that he was saying was like, I was right back in church Takes again. <laughs> it was all very familiar to me. I knew exactly what he was saying as he was saying it was like word for word, but I grew up hearing Mm-hmm. every Sunday um, and at, you know, Catholic school and catechism and, you know, every holiday went to midnight mass. Midnight mass is an actual thing for anyone mm-hmm. who's not familiar in, in you know, the upbringing, um, you know, that's when you go to church on Christmas Eve and there yep. is a, a mass at midnight and they call it midnight mass and mm-hmm. went every single year. So very familiar. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, and that is a thing, you know, as, as he's talking, you know, as you, as you mentioned, when he's telling Riley, like, well, you know, you're going to go because I I feel like his dad probably thinks it's like probably good for him to go to like give him some structure. And, and, and the fact that, you know, this is a real, the the whole Island seems very religious. It's not just the family, but the whole family seems to really kind of, or sorry, the whole Island seems to really revolve around this church and their faith. Um, and, and so they, his family is very devout and it just seems like if you're going to be in that household, you're going to go to church. That's just how things are. There's an underlying is like, you know, everybody's already thinking about the thing that you did and how that's right. That's bad picture. So you're also, you're going to go to church. So people don't also think worse of you, you know, exactly. Like you've already got a bad mark against you because of your past and, and what you've done and, you know, kind of brought the shame down on the family. You're going to go to church and at least look like you're trying to be an upstanding citizen, at least according to their standards anyway, but totally, you know, heard everything he was saying as far as like, well, you're going to go, but if, you know, if you're, if you're not really feeling it, then you shouldn't take 
you know, communion because your heart's mm-hmm. not in it. And like you said, it would be like a lie. Yeah, and there, I, there. <laughs> I, I have also been there, you know, I, I would go even whenever I was a little bit older, when my grandmother was still alive and she would ask me, I would do anything for my grandmother when she was still alive. I loved her so much and I was completely devoted to her. And if she, you know, was like, come on, Rima, come to church with me. It's, it's this holiday or that was, she knew, she knew I wasn't really going anymore. And she knew I didn't really kind of believe anymore, but she wanted me to go with her. And if she asked me to go, I would. And I did partake because I knew it would upset her if I, if I didn't, uh-huh. but if I went at other times, I did not, I didn't do it because yeah. um, like if there was um, some of the Catholic weddings that you go to when it's the really long Catholic mm-hmm. weddings and they do serve communion, I wouldn't go. Cause I feel like it's disrespectful. Like you said to, yeah. you know, I don't practice anymore. I, I don't have that same belief anymore. And I don't, I don't, I feel like it's, it's um, kind of like a, a, a promise that you make um, and yeah. there's an exchange there. And I just felt like it's, it's, it's disrespectful. So I, I totally get that. And my mom always growing up because my mom was divorced, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the eyes of like the Catholic church, she wasn't supposed to like partake anymore because um, she was divorced. So she would never take communion. She would just mm-hmm. kneel instead. Um, so a lot of, lot of things with that. A lot of familiarity as I'm watching that definitely, you know, kind of, kind of takes me back. So I love yeah. that. Um, that was a great way to start it off. Uh-huh. I figured why not go ahead and just, you know, the <laughs> we're going to go there. I the mean, elephant in the room about this show and let's like, just start with it. Like this is going to be, there's going to be a lot of religious aspects and points to this show and it's going to bring up a lot of personal conversations in our lives. I think definitely I I would expect at least in some places it's going to do that. So might as well address it and be like, yeah, here it is. Definitely. Yeah. It's obviously religion is going to play a very heavy theme. And, you know, even, even if I have different beliefs, um, you know, I still have, um, a, a, a kind of respect, I'll say. And I will say that um, I do still love going to Catholic churches. I went to a wedding a couple of weeks ago and it was a Catholic wedding mm-hmm. and the church was just absolutely beautiful. That is one thing I've always admired Catholic churches. I just think, I think they're absolutely beautiful architecture, stained glass windows. They're vibrant and beautiful. Um, just, you know, I love it. And it feels, even though I, I don't practice, um, there's an air of familiarity. Yeah being there. Like there's almost a little bit of comfort that comes with sitting there and kind of hearing the things and seeing the things and, you know, and I don't know, maybe it's from a childhood thing or something. I don't know, but there's a, an odd comfort, um, you know, that kind of surrounds me when I'm, when I'm there, even though I don't practice or have the same beliefs anymore. So still have a little bit of like respect to things anyway. Um, well, my number five, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about our location for this series, and that is Crockett Island. Mm-hmm. Um, so this island, it's very isolated um, and it's appears to be like on the edge of collapse, you know, um, and they've been reduced to a population that I'm not sure we know the entire population. We see that it says population of 127. Yeah. I don't well, know if that's still that true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have they updated it in a while? <laughs> yeah, I say I don't know that it's been updated in a while. So, but even that, like just seeing that, um, mm-hmm. that really stood out to me when I saw this population 127. So I'm just gonna let that hang there for a second. Think of that of 
you know, I, I grew up in a very small town, used to get like mocked constantly for the size of the town that I grew up in. We had more than 127 people though, you know, I mean, we had, Mm. you know, um, there, there were more things. Um, so that kind of even took me back. I was like, wow, I thought I I came from a small place. So very, very small, um, tight knit community. Uh, and like we said, the, the, sign says hundreds, but it sounds like it's actually just down to dozens of yeah. folks who remain in this town. And I think we met most of them in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, and it was really kind of sad. You know, it sounds like that this town is just kind of coasting along on fumes after this environmental disaster, some type of oil spill to be exact, mm-hmm. which I mean, is definitely relevant to you know, things that we hear today and things that happen yeah. um, today. And it's really brought this town on the edge here that fishing has been reduced. Um, you know, most islands, that's a primary type of industry, yeah. you know, for them. It sounds like that is what kind of kept the island going. But right now it's so bad. People just pack up and leave and they don't even bother to list their house to sell. Yeah. Um I, that's a big statement. You know, that's a, when, 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 um, Riley's mom says that, I mean, that just kind of hangs there. And I know that made an impact to me. I was like, wow, people are just picking up and leaving. They don't Mm -hmm. even bother to try to sell their home because nobody's wanting to come to the island. Everybody's getting away. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's leaving. Nobody's coming. And they, they, they make a big deal about that. Like with Aaron, like, oh, she actually came back. It's nice to see moved to (laughs) (laughs) right. Like who, who moves here? Everybody's wanting to get away from here. Um, and, and, and it sounds like a lot of it's just because people, you know, more people probably would move, but they can't afford to yeah. move, you know, because of how dire uh, things are. So I, I really love the whole atmosphere. Um, I, I really loved the presence and the opening. Um, as I mentioned, I, I thought the opening was just was was beautiful and reminded me of the opener of like a, opening up a Stephen King novel and reading those mm-hmm. first pages as you're being introduced to the characters in your location, kind of getting that feel for it. Um, you know, as as um, his brother is riding his bike, you know, throughout, you kind of see the yeah. abandoned homes. And I need to read, I need to go read up a little bit on where they filmed this, like what the location was. That is, yeah, I've seen a lot of different things about um, the series, but I haven't um, seen that stand out yet. So I need to go do some yeah. research and see where they filmed because I mean, it looks like a true Island location with the um, you know, the houses have like different paint colors and stuff, but it has a true look of how the houses are all got that grayed washed out. Yeah. Uh, look to them. Salt wind constantly yeah. hitting it. You can't keep things pretty. It's, I- can't imagine on everything. Yeah. yeah. You can't even imagine like how often you would have to even attempt to try to paint to keep mm-hmm. up with it. I think, you know, most Island um, uh, locations that you go to, that's just how it looks. And I think it's yeah. beautiful. I think there's a beauty to it, Oh yeah. but I spend it, some time in Galveston somewhat regularly. And yeah, it's all yeah. like that. It's all, you know, not super vibrant, you know, because mm-hmm. that's just <laughs> how it's going to be. Exactly. So I loved the location. You definitely, they did a good job of presenting how isolated it really is. Like when Riley's on the uh, ferry going to, that's a pretty good distance. That's not just, you know, right off the mainland. That looks like there's a pretty good distance there from like, it's an effort to get uh, back to the mainland. So it looks pretty darn isolated. I think they did a really good job representing that. And it, it looks like a great place for some dark, twisty 
um, happenings, you know? Um, so I, I love this whole location that we're at because it definitely gives me the spooks (laughs) anyway, (laughs) (laughs) how isolated it is, you know? Um, so yeah, Crockett Island thumbs up for me. Wouldn't want to live there, but yeah, you know, I thought, man, what's the Wi-Fi signal out there? That's like the first thing I go to. I'm so shallow that that was like the first yeah. thing. Like, how oh, are they one do of the anything? first things I thought I was like, you mentioned like with just the ferries coming in and like that's it. Is like as much stuff as I order off of Amazon and everything. It's like I'm just, that ferry would just be mostly like, what do you got? What's my package today? I'm waiting on you to bring me all my stuff every day. No <laughs> kidding. What is shipping like there? Where's my Amazon package? I've been waiting for for days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. And I wonder if, and I, and I feel like it probably, you know, things might just cost more because you have to get supplies, like just like for groceries or the general yeah. store and fuel from like mainland then to the Island and then sold there. It's, yeah. Yeah. Oy. Wow. I mean, it's a great setting for some spooky shit, but I don't know that I want to live there. So anyway, what is your number four? All right. Number four, quick one, just the character of Warren Flynn, the younger brother of Riley that yeah. we don't really even know about until the four years later come in. It's like, oh, you know, because we see his parents at the trial. And I don't remember if there was a younger Warren there. Not, I don't I don't so. remember seeing anyone sitting with the and, parents. Because he would have been even younger then, because I think he's 16 now, I think is what the because the, the mom, which I don't have her name. I should, but I don't. Uh, I have Ed as the father, but I don't remember the mother's name. Um, Anne. Anne. Okay, cool. Because she makes some kind of, you know, when when Warren is headed off, she makes this little thing. Like, I remember when I was 16, so just make <laughs> sure you're smart, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay. But, uh, you know, see, that's like, okay, so he's got a younger brother. And it's like, he seems like a pretty typical teenage boy, teenage kid. Cool. Yep. And then it's like the f- next thing we see of him is him and his friends buying weed off of some dude on the ferry. And I was like, yeah, pretty typical teenage boy. Got it. Um, Yeah. (laughs) They're still able to score, take some effort, but yeah. Yep. They don't want, you know, the sheriff's son to blow the whole thing for him, but he's cool. He's cool, man. It's all right. Uh, But then I noticed the kind of person, the the, the character that Warren has is, yeah, he's a 16 year old kid. He's going off and smoking weed with his friends. Totally. And he's who doesn't, you know, at that age, like, yeah. for the most part, like, no, it's, mom, not going to the uppers, you know, wouldn't do that. I'm a good kid. Yeah. Yeah. But then <laughs> I really picked up on his mom knows, I mean, you know, and, and sees and knows because she's like, she said, I was 16 once. I know what's going on, but she just, the thing that's really stuck to them is like, you do what you do. You do whatever. It's like no drinking. And then I really liked it. Even when they're up there at the uppers, they're passing the joint and they got all these creepy fucking cats meowing around them i could not do that that is glowy eyes and all the sounds i'd be like nope i don't want to be here uh no no, thank you but but as they're up there but then you know uker and and ali are drinking and then he goes to pass in the drink and he's like no and even at 16 he's refusing to drink and it's i mean given his brother's situation in that past Mm -hmm. he has made that conscious decision i was like at 16 that is very mature that he it is very mature he knows his family kind of situation and he makes that effort like no that's not for me and i applaud that i really think that was really cool i agree 
I agree because it does it does show yes he's he's still doing some things he probably should and he's out there smoking some weed getting into a little bit of trouble and mischief yeah. but it's I mean crap if that's the worst thing that you're doing in that damn isolated island you know you. then yeah. good for you because I feel like I would be doing way worse um, if I were uh, in in that same situation and I've done far worse in in, in a not so small town um, that was not as small as this so I'd be looking for entertainment anywhere that I could so the fact that he doesn't do that definitely still shows there there's some good in that kid because even when his parents aren't watching and and wouldn't know otherwise um Mm -hmm. he's got that level of respect for his mom that he does decline alcohol yeah yep which is great and then when riley comes back i like the relationship that they have that he's kind of you know asking him some questions and keeping things cool but like immediately they warm back up to just being bros you know they're brothers siblings and they're mm-hmm. joking back and forth. I love the whole, you know, oh, you're an altar boy now. And it's like, I remember when I did that. And I love that. Oh, what does Riley say? He's just like, yeah, I was only in it for the chicks. You know, they love a man in uniform and they're cracking up. Ed was not too fond of this joking, but uh, he was not. <laughs> but it was it was cool to see them just kind of shoot the shit with each other about those things and yeah, and joke around. And then later when Warren is sneaking out late at night and, and Riley catches him <laughs> and all he has to do is he just chuckles and then gives him a little wave like. Kids going to do what they're going to do. Like, have fun, bud. Go. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> like, I see you. Um, and, and yeah, it's cool and all. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, not getting away with too much. Yeah. yeah that was funny. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. I, I'm interested to learn a little bit more about his younger brother, but I, I like him so far. Yeah. Like him so far. Seems like a, a pretty decent kid. Um, not getting into too much trouble. It doesn't look like yeah. just enough to keep it interesting i can't yeah. imagine i feel like we've, we've met the three teenagers uh well maybe four because we had um um oh gosh is it what was her is it lisa yeah um in the wheelchair i feel like we've met like all the teenagers yeah it's um, like that's all the kids so, that live on the island that's <laughs> <sounds> it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you get your kicks where you can uh-huh. um but it's small enough awesome. to where i feel like even if the sheriff caught them smoking weed somewhere he'd be like okay boys don't do that like move along. Knock like it, it would be very, you know, like party's eh. over, knock it off, go home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Bigger, bigger fish to fry. Yeah. I'm thinking, or at least they will eventually as the story unfolds, mm. I feel like they're going to have bigger problems than kids smoking a little weed or doing a little drinking or something or sneaking yeah. off to that to the upwards. Um, that's awesome. I like it. Um, well, my number four, uh, I want to talk about Riley. Riley. Um, you know, he seems to be our, our, one of our main characters anyway, and he is played by the awesome Zach Guilford, which I just went over the moon for Zach Guilford because he is my Matt Saracen from Friday Night Lights. Absolutely just adored him on that show so much. And I think that he just is perfect for this role. He plays the expat Riley uh, returning to Crockett Island where he grew up. And I think he's just an absolute perfect casting choice. The way that he plays the guilt that he has over what he's done, you know, it's so reminiscent of like what we saw of, um, from Danny in Bly Manor, you know, that guilt and he, you can see how it wears on him and how he feels it. And, I think he's doing such an amazing job. And we first meet Riley at the scene of a car accident. You know, you're kind of wondering what is going on. And, you know, it opens up, you've got this flashing police light that reveals this Jesus fish uh, car sticker. Um, 
and there's this accident. Uh, there's a convertible that's collided with this Volkswagen. You've got Riley cuffed on the side of the road and paramedics are performing CPR on this young girl. And, um, you know, he's slurring, you know, like, oh, is she going to be okay? And, you know, um, you know, paramedics, you know, making a remark about, you know, wishing, you know, or why, why do the drunks get to walk away and the kids are the ones that get taken out, you know, and he starts to recite the Lord's prayer and, you know, she ends up dying and he has to live with that. And he faces the consequences of his fate. He accepts the charges and he goes to jail. So he, he is sentenced and, you know, he's, you know, which I thought was mature, you know, he didn't try to you know, fight anything. He's like, yeah, I'm guilty. And and he took it. Um, and he ends up seeing this girl every night as he lays in bed, which yeah. I mean. So it's a lot like you know, we talked <laughs> to Bly Manor with Danny. It's a similar situation, kind of a car accident thing, yeah. kind of, you know, yep. her fiance was, was hit by a car and there's all, you know, so it's these kind of things. And yeah, I was wondering, it was just like, he's going to start seeing this. And I, yeah, as soon as he sees her that first night laying down in prison i was like yep i know flanagan well enough to know that this tara this girl is going to be appearing to riley uh it it just yeah that's it makes sense in the way that flanagan writes these shows i was like it's it's the guilt ghost it's his it's you know it's even though this show is not like a haunting in quotes show like Bly manor and hill house it has some of those things you know it's kind of that style with his writing this is riley's haunting is yeah is his past and what he did Absolutely. This is definitely his guilt ghost. And just the, um, just the, his face, you know, as he just lays in bed every night and knows that that's what he's going to see. And the way that, um, you know, her ghostly features, you know, she's got that glass, the glass shards in her face and the, the police lights like reflect off of it from like, that that's what he sees. I mean, an incredible visual. I isn't it amazing? Really cool. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Um, well, and when he's in jail, he gets um, a Bible sent to him from his mom, and um, he reads an inscription that she writes in, inside the Bible, and it's from Genesis 39, 21, and the passage is about Joseph going from a servant of a powerful master to a prisoner, you know, for a crime that he didn't commit, and, you know, I feel his what I take from that is, you know, his mom includes that passage and it's supposed to be comforting to him because it shows that while life isn't always fair, God doesn't abandon people. And um, so I think, you know, that's how she meant it, but I don't know that it, he felt that, (laughs) you know, after, after ending up there and, you know, we don't know a whole lot about Riley off Island other than, um, you know, the little bit of what we learned so far in this episode is that he made a lot of money in stocks and a startup yeah. in Chicago. Um, so, you know, and obviously he doesn't have any of that now. And, you know, I'm really feeling like such a connection with him in just this episode already. And it, this sympathy that I have for him, because he, he doesn't feel whole when he's walking and talking with Aaron and he says, I have nothing. I just yeah. exist now. I was like, oh my God, that I felt that in my soul. Yeah. Um, that really made an impact on me. What what did you think about that? What do you yeah, think about this? This is like? actually my number one. So I'll just kind of talk about it now and then we'll get to it. But yeah, uh let's see what I have on there is yeah, just this this haunting of that situation for him. And it's a rough situation. I mean, he definitely messed up bad. I mean, yeah, he totally 
made the decision. He was out driving drunk and that choice caused this like teenage girl to die. Yeah. And he has to live with that. And it's, I mean, the sentencing, I was like four to 10 years seems like not much like that's, that's very light. I feel like for taking like a child's life, even if it's not on purpose. And you can even tell when the judge passes that says four to 10 years, her family is disgusted and distraught. Like Mm -hmm. that's not enough. And I understand them. Um, And they, they say four years later, he only did the minimum. It's he got very lucky with that very lucky. his own self um yeah and then you know he's still dealing with this stuff to where then when he's talking with Aaron the line that I have from him because like there it is there's his other than the actual physical manifestation of this like ghost standing in his room as he's going to sleep but even like his own mental and emotional haunting of this is when he says to her I shouldn't be alive and I was oh. like there it is right there it's yep. this survivor's guilt of the mistake he made it's kind of him rolling you know rolling that over in his head being like if only she would have survived and i would have died in the crash then that would be more justice and that would be better and that you know yep and i could see that i mean it's it's a heavy reminder every single time he goes to bed that you know what could have happened and what did happen mm-hmm. so it is a lot for him to carry yeah totally and he's doing such a great job. I love Zach Guilford. He's just doing an amazing job and I think perfect in this, in this role. Cause I totally feel that for him and his yeah. anguish, you know, and he's like, I, I, I don't have a purpose, you know, and I have nothing and I just exist and, you know, I shouldn't be alive right now. I mean, it's just absolutely heartbreaking and gut wrenching. Yeah. And, and despite what he did, cause I mean, it's hard, you know, you're like, gosh, well, he did do a terrible thing. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he made a choice and, you know, was, was drinking and driving. Um, and he rightfully should have paid for that, you know? Um, and according to the, the system, um, he did pay, he did pay for that. He did his time. Now, was it just, you know, well, that's up for debate, I'm sure, but you know, Mm -hmm. um, that girl's family probably will never see justice in that towards. Right. It's kind of right. And, and that's personal. I, I get that. For sure. I know. And it's hard to, you, you totally see that side of things, but at the same time, and you look at Riley, it's like, well, he's not, he made a mistake. I mean, it was yeah. a terrible mistake. I mean, he took someone's life and he's, he was responsible mm-hmm. for that, but he was not a bad person. Right. Um. So it's like, oh gosh, you know, trying to feel that sympathy towards him and, and knowing what he did and, um, and knowing his dad is certainly not going to let him yeah. you know, forget about that anytime soon. Um, yeah, I, I love Riley. That's all I'll say for now. I love him. I find him very um, intriguing um, and a, 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 I think a fun, complicated, not fun. Maybe fun's not the right word. Yeah. And I meant fun for me to like learn more about him. I'm interested yeah. in learning more about him. So fun for me. Um, I think he's a complicated character and I um, am excited to learn more about him and continue on. Cause I think he's great. Yeah. Um, awesome. Let's move on to your number three. All right. My number three, um, Monsignor Pruitt and father Paul Hill. Okay. Kind of Let's this- get in it. One for the other situation is my number three. Because uh, we find out, you know, Monsignor Pruitt was supposed to be coming home off of the ferry on one day. And uh, instead, Father Paul came off the ferry the day before, 
So Mrs. Keene wasn't there to look for him then. Mm-hmm. And he came off with this box with somebody was like in it, knocking at him. I was. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going with something. To, yeah. Something was in it. <laughs> right. I, I don't know. Um, was it a person? Even, yeah. Even while like uh, Pruitt is gone, like, you know, Warren is talking about how like a lot of the neighborhood, like neighborhood. So it's a whole town. It's a, but it's <laughs> yeah, it's about the size so... of a little neighborhood. Um, right. but you know the the kids and stuff are all saying like, oh, but they're you know seeing Monsignor Pruitt walking around it like late at night and all of these things. And it's just like, was he just old and senile, or is it something darker? And mm-hmm. you just kind of wonder what's going on. And then when you see Father Paul show up, which we don't know it's him at first because they don't really show you exactly who it is, but. I love that effect. Wasn't that great? Yeah. How it's people totally. were like, he comes into a room, she don't see him. You don't even see the back of his head or anything. She's yeah. like, oh, you know. But yeah, but he's got this box. And it's like, what is, what is going on? It's it's creepy. And then on Sunday for mass, we get to introduce to the character Father Paul Hill, and he's taking over for the months. And you're saying, oh, you know, he he fell ill on his trip, but he's okay. It's nothing major. Just but they wanted to take care of him at the hospital on the mainland because they could handle it better than here on the island. So, you know, he'll be here as soon as he can, but I'm just going to fill in for now. And you just don't buy it. There is something off about this guy. And, and a little off. Yep. And I think it all just stems from once you realize it's the giant chest that he dragged in and there's something knocking and wanting out and he's unlocked. Like from that point, you're like, I can't trust this guy at all um (laughs) no no it's just yeah i I don't know and even you know most people wouldn't even think something's off with him except of course only miss keen would be the one to notice and nitpick about the color of his chasuble that he chose to wear on this oh my goodness i didn't even know that thing had a name until now but good to know um yeah (laughs) so many so many names and words in 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 catholicism let me tell you yeah but, it's but like, yeah, of course, only she, she of course would she pick noticed. up on that. But but you could tell when she's talking about it that like he kind of has this like quick look of panic, like oh shit, somebody figured me out. Like uh, uh, make up an excuse, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, there's just something about him that I don't trust. He's very, and I think you're supposed to be that way. Like yeah, there's, there's something definitely makes off sense. with this guy and. So, yeah, so we don't really get much other than that. It's just setting up like mm, this guy's a little uh, questionable. And then, of course, during the storm is where the really weird thing is. Riley then sees Monsignor Pruitt, at least what they said. You know, it's kind of the the silhouette in the storm and the rain and the lightning. But, you know, he's got this coat and fedora that he apparently always is known for wearing. And that's what he's wearing. You know, that's what Warren says. People have seen the you know, when he's wandering around at night. It says that same thing. And yeah, so, like it's known that yeah. that he does this, right? You know, Warren's little brother, Warren, that's Riley's little yeah. brother, mentions that, like, you know, oh, yeah, because there's some other person that wanders around in the fedora and the long coat, you know, as he's, you know, wandering around, you know. Yeah. And, and so, so Riley sees him and like chases him on the beach. But then also, you know, Father Paul had just said he's on the mainland in the hospital. So he's, not supposed to be there. And so there's all these like little creepy things that are getting set up. So you're like, okay, so the new guy here, the box, him showing up at night, these fishy things, like it's creepy and I don't know what to expect, but I'm so excited to see where it goes. I know. 
I know. I'm so ready to be scared. I'm not scared yeah. just yet, but I'm, I I can feel it. Like I yeah. was on the edge and I'm like, oh my God, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Um, and I'm so messed up that I'm, I'm loving this. Right. <laughs> I get that. I know. Move on. Um, yeah. Uh, so Father Paul is actually one of my points too. So um, I don't want to jump into it. You know, if you if you've kind of said what you wanted to say, I'll go yeah, ahead and jump pretty in. Much, that's all that I had. Okay. Yeah. My, my points are pretty short on this nope. episode. I've got like little things. I'm like, as again, it's a setup first episode. It's so set up first we episode. We only have what we got. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have a whole lot to go on yet and not, not a lot of background. We're going to build as we go. So it's totally fine. My, my point about father Paul's kind of short too, but he is one of my points. So I'll just jump in. Um, y- you're right. We have that. Like he is charming. But he, there is something a little off, like you said, about him. Little, you know, and you can't quite put your finger on it. Even yeah. the parishioners can't quite put their finger on it. Um, but you're kind of like, well, you know, whatever. But what I found interesting and what I want to get your thoughts on, and I would love to hear from our listeners as well. I haven't looked, haven't thoroughly read the feedback. Maybe someone has already put it in our feedback. Um, so we see a a picture of the Monsignor, right? On the wall. Uh, so we get an idea of what he looks like. He's very old, you know, looking and it lingered a bit. And look, we know from history that Mike Flanagan does everything. There's a purpose to everything. Yeah. If he lingers on something, I feel like there's a reason why. So that picture of the Monsignor, he kind of lingered on it. And so you get this, okay, that's gotta be the Monsignor there. I can't help but notice a resemblance to that picture of the Monsignor to that a father paul like a younger version of him or something it looks yeah. a lot like him aged backwards mm-hmm. maybe like 40 years or something is it just mm-hmm. me i don't we know get some moment where uh what is it uh i don't get her name the doctor her mom is gonna because she's old enough to be like oh monsignor pruitt <laughs> <Are> we gonna- <laughs> I mean, I have some thoughts. There's, I have, I still have a lot more thoughts to go here um, and some more points. Um, I'm going to make yeah. this my number three because it's actually my number two. Um, and, and, and I don't know. I'm theorizing here. I'm just, um, but I couldn't help but look at that picture and I was like, that looks like a Hamish Linklater in like, um, you know, 70 or 80 or something. And then, yeah. you know, because that's who I, I was like, it just does to me. So what is up with that? Yeah. Why does he look like that's him in that picture? And then also the fact that he seems um, to know everyone on the island pretty well. Claiming yeah, he was very, oh, you must be Lisa and you must be the, the Flynn's and you must be these people. Because, you know, Monsignor Pruitt told me so much. Like, aren't you just the guy that's the fill in for him? How do you know? all? <laughs> and how? Yeah. How did you, you know? Yeah. The Monsignor fill, fills him in and talked about the people. But it's still like something's off. Like, yeah, that's fine to talk about your town a little bit, but that seems pretty damn thorough if yeah. that were actually true to, um, you know, talk about your your parish in that much detail. Um, and at least to be like, it, it might be one thing for like one or two people to kind of stand out or something, but for like, he seemed to just know everyone. And, and it seemed like even as people were saying their names and he had to try to pretend like he didn't know who they were, but yet he still knew a lot about them. So I don't know. 
just something is a little off about him. But I, again, the casting I think is absolutely perfect. I love Hamish Linklater. He mm-hmm. uh, is in what was in one of my favorite shows, Legion, that Jason and I covered on yeah. um, Podcastica. I mean, I was introduced to him um, on that show, and yeah. I, he was also just brilliant. Quite briefly in the Stand 2020 that was covered here. Yes, at the like in the first episode, he was the doctor at the like CDC place where uh Stu was at yeah yes thank you for the reminder we had him such a short short time yeah in the stand um but yes he was in the beginning and even just for the very very short time that he was in it he just has this um this charm to him yeah. this natural charisma about him and i'm just immediately drawn in whenever he is on the screen and it definitely it's working for him here as well for me as yeah. well so i'm 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 loving it, and um, I'm a little bit freaked out about this dude, though. I yeah. don't know, little little scared. So that's that's excellent. That was your number three. Three. That was that was my number two, but we'll call it my number three. All right. Um, we'll just switch it around. So, what is your number two? My number two. I want to talk about Sheriff Hassan. Yay! And I don't know what else because they also call him like Omar Sharif. At some point, somebody calls him that. So I'm like, what is, I was like, what is his actual name? Or is it just, because that's the other thing, because they keep making these, like, you know, Joe is called Sharif, and then he's like Sheriff, and then he's making these references to Allah and stuff. And I was like, okay, is Sheriff Hassan really Muslim, or is Joe just a racist? Find out tonight at 10. Um, Yeah. You know? I I know. (laughs) I was was like, where are we um, going with this? Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I wasn't sure. So, uh, but yeah, he's played by my boy. Raul Coley. Love it. He'll Love probably, it. probably be a lot less punny in this show than he was in Bly Manor. I'm going to assume. I'm going to miss miss the puns. But, but you know, I'm I'm still in for him because I love him as an actor. I, I don't think I'd really seen him in anything before Bly Manor, but man, Bly Manor really made me love him. So, yes, um, I'm excited to see him again. I'm a fan for life after then, his role in that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then just a fun little tidbit I found while looking at like the cast on IMDb. The kid who plays his son, Ali, is named Rahul Aburi. And it was like an interesting thing. They they share the same first name. I was like, Yeah, okay. I saw that. I was like, that is perfect. I love yeah. it. Yeah. It's great. But yeah, but just him, we don't again, it's like little points because it's like we just see a little bit. It's like you know it's a small town when the, the sheriff's office is set up in the back of the general store. Uh <laughs> I know. But you know, he seems to be taking a lot of, you know, things in stride, of course. You know, even though they say, oh, we're at the crock pot, you know, the melting pot, and there's all these different people here, but it's still the way everybody looks at him and talks about him. I mean, Miss Keen, this whole, like, you know, oh, and that new sheriff, you'd never believe, Monsignor, you know, he's he's a Muslim, you know, it's like this very, <laughs> right. you know, because we find out that he really is, other than just them talking about, because we do get the scene of him and his son kneeling in prayer, in yeah. prayer you know, before bed. And so I was like, okay, they really are. So then I was like, how do they end up on this island? Like, that's what I want to know. It's like, what's what's their story? Because, I mean, you know, if you had a wife or, you know, Ali's mother, like, she's not in the picture here. So it's, yeah, it seems to be just the two of them. And so it's very, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. Like, what what leads to to the sheriff and his son being on this island? What is their backstory? I want to know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm interested in hearing that as well. Um, I was surprised at the, um, because this is such a tiny, tiny community uh, in town, 
the um, diversity, yeah, and some representation, you know, that that we've had so far. Because um, I, I wasn't expecting that mm-hmm. for um, this type of location. So that was cool. And yeah, uh, he will always just be welcome to me because, yeah, yeah big fan after um, meeting him and being introduced to him as an actor in Blind Manor. He just totally won me over and uh, I'll watch everything that he does. Yes. I need to go back and watch some of his other works. Let's see, he's in the, not like the, the running in quotes as far as like, fan casting and people that fans want to see but for the next doctor who a lot of people are i heard that and i was like i heard that i like it i like it (laughs) i think that would be a great idea i think he'd make a great doctor yeah Mm. that'd be fabulous he's so great that's it's it's good to have him have his own point because he he just gets all the love um well let's talk about my my number two um i want to talk about the islanders um, all these characters that that we meet and just kind of get to know them a little bit, or at least as much as what we've gotten to know them in this first episode. Um, so we have Riley's dad, Ed Flynn, uh, <laughs> one of the most emotionally stunted men I think I've ever yeah. met. <laughs> Interactions he won't, with him. won't talk to his son on the phone. Won't won't be there when he comes home off the ferry. Doesn't want to. I mean, you can tell he's very bitter and upset about what Riley did. Yeah. And it's like, he has not forgiven his son for his mistake. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the interactions with him and Riley were hard to watch, yeah. you know, like, like you, like you pointed out, he wasn't there when his son got off the ferry. He went talk to him on, on, his, on the phone the day before he came home. Um, that whole interaction when they were getting ready to go to bed, he's like, oh, are you getting all settled in? And, you know, and he kind of, there at the end kind of looks like he's going to go in for that hug, but just mm-hmm. ends up putting his hand on his shoulder and sticks his hand out and they shake yeah. hands. And like, and I'm like, Oh God, this is just so yeah. painful to, yeah. <laughs> to watch. But I mean, painful in like a good way, because I feel like they really pulled it off really well. Like they yeah. definitely, you, you bought that weird weirdness between them, you know? And I thought, you know, was, you, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to, picture like is is has he changed somehow is he upset with riley because of of what he's done you know it was kind of hard to tell because even with his little brother he was still kind of very like at the dinner table like he did like um henry thomas had like the the shortest dialogue so he had like the easiest he just had to like emote you know on his face you know he did have some Mm -hmm. good facial expressions but he had very few lines like that whole dinner table thing he said so little um Mm -hmm. so i'm like gosh is he just he just that way you know growing up or you know you know i don't know now that riley's home it's kind of changed the atmosphere i don't know um and then we have um ann riley's mom who's devout catholic and devoted to her family and to riley um, you mentioned uh, Raul Coley, who plays Sheriff Hassan, and he's the island's local law enforcement officer. Um, he also has the um, general store in town, which also, as you mentioned, contains the sheriff's office. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And something I found interesting, um, not just about the character, but um, this interaction that I want to talk about, it's it's kind of like a side note that I think is interesting because when we meet him, we also um, meet J- Drunken Joe, who's played yeah. by Robert Longstreet, who's also absolutely just brilliant. I love him. Excited to see him in the series. We hear about the, in quotes, giant albatross uh-huh. that Joe claimed was following him. Uh, before the sheriff let him sleep sleep off the booze in in the jail cell, um, we're told an albatross is bad luck, something the fishermen of the town know. But Hassan, who of course is not you know a fisherman, he's not a native islander there, um, doesn't know that. Um, and you definitely get, I think, like Sheriff Brody situation as his, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> he's kind of out of his element, you know, and um, he's kind of just trying to deal with the storm and he keeps getting pushed back from the locals who's stuck in their ways. And then of course he's got this casual Islamophobia that Miss Keen, you know, throws at him and stuff. Right. Um, but I thought it was interesting though, the remark about the giant albatross and how it being bad luck, because when the kids are at, that um, when they're at the upwards and yep. at the island and it's super creepy, got all these cats and stuff. And what was it that, you know, they swear like, f- like flew right over him. He's like, yeah. Oh, U- what? Uker noticed. Was he was just like, there was some giant bird that flew over, over us, a big heron or an albatross or is exactly what he said. And, exactly. Yeah. Um, so was it really an albatross? Maybe not. I do feel something creepy was out there and this, I, I feel like it has a supernatural element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever they saw could have been the same thing that, that Joe was, you know, saw in his drunken stupor. Um, so I don't know. And I looked up a little bit about, um, albatross. I've, it, there's, um, it's saying that the albatross is both a sign of good and bad luck. Um, the main belief is that the albatross carries the souls of dead mariners. Sighting one flying overhead was considered good luck as the sailors believed that the mariner soul the albatross carried had come to protect them from harm or bring needed winds for the ship's sails. Some sailors believed an albatross sighting would be a bad omen as it would mean someone was doomed to die in the near future. Hmm. But regardless of which way a sailor would view the albatross, the shooting and killing of an albatross was a promised curse to befall the entire crew. So it's definitely bad luck to kill them. Um, but some, I guess, depending on what boat you were on, what the sailors believed, some saw it as good luck, some saw it as bad luck. But I thought it was interesting when um, they said it was a, they considered it a bad omen, meaning someone was doomed to die. So just going to leave that out there. So. Yeah. Anyway, just want to kind of, you know, bring that up as a side note there. We met Aaron, who was played by Kate Siegel, the lovely, beautiful, talented. (laughs) We can't have a movie uh, by Mac Flanagan without his beautiful wife involved Mm -hmm. as well. Um, She's brilliant. So always great to see her. Mm -hmm. Great to see her. She she does a fantastic job. She's uber talented. Um, And so like Riley, she has come back to the island. Uh, We learn that they share a past, Riley and Aaron. Uh, Riley has a photo of them, uh, a younger them in his room. Um, We find out she ran away. She's lived life in many places. Um, And but so far, all we know is, you know, she was married. She's now pregnant and she's now the new teacher in town like her mother was before her. Mm -hmm. Um, Miss Bev Keen, um, a stern woman. 
who is the one looking for Monsignor Pruitt. She is the embodiment of the small town, racist, religious, busybody. I think that. Yeah. Yeah. Just my <laughs> only note on like her was, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't like Miss Keene. She is that lady. And that's all I have to say. It's like, you know what I'm talking about. Too. Like, yes. She's that lady. <laughs> yes. Um, I think she should get eaten first. That's all I'm going to say about her. Um, and then the Monsignor who don't, know if we've met him yet i think we had a sighting that we think is him we are speculating it's him i don't know if it's him but he's being talked about a lot obviously mm. because father paul is here because the monsignor um who we're being told is ill um but he is a character that i feel like we're going to be hearing about we may or may not need meet i don't know um so he's been not known to kind of wander the island um he's i think maybe suffering from maybe a form of like maybe dementia or something. They talk like he was kind of losing it a little bit. Um, So anyway, those are some of the characters so far that we've met. Um, And it's, it's an interesting mix for sure. And I'm, I'm curious to see how um, the story plays out with all these interesting characters. So just want to give a little introduction and talk about them for a minute. Um, So let's see, that was number two. Goodness. We're moving right along. What is your, Number one. So number one, like I I mentioned earlier, was Riley and kind of his past and his haunting. So I think I covered all of that earlier. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, all right then. Well, I'll just jump into mine. Uh, My number one. And mine is mysteries. Mysteries and questions. um, Because there's some good stuff um, in this um, episode so far and some definite questions that I have. So let's go through them what the hell's in the trunk and who was dragging it into the house? Yeah. Does the, what, because I was saying somebody, you're like something does the timing of when father Paul shows up with the trunk and then opens it to this thing that Joe and Uker have seen. And Warren got a little glimpse of its eyes. It's a little taller, you know, like, is this like, Hmm. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm going to tell you, I, um, I keep, I kept getting as I'm watching, uh, vampire vibes here. Uh huh. Is yeah, I've got like this like Jeepers Creepers kind of thing in my head with this like. Mm, oh boy, uh, I don't want to. I'm trying to. Oof, uh, I can't handle Jeepers Creepers. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna stick with what I know, and that's vampires. <laughs> um, but I, I kept getting the vampire, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why, um, or a couple reasons. Um, so I kept getting vampire vibes here as we're moving through and seeing these different things. Um, you know, is father Paul a vampire or some kind of de-aged monster? You know, I threw out my whole, how that picture of the Monsignor who's very elderly, like 80 years old looks like a, and father Paul looks like a younger version of him. I don't know, speculating, but I'm just throwing out my thoughts. Supernatural, like, like a demon or something that's taken the form of a person that, yeah, there's all these speculation. And I I don't know anything because I've, purposely stayed away from most stuff about this show because I want to go in very kind of yes. blind and on my own. So I don't know. It's all speculation. <laughs> it is all specu- speculation. And I'll tell you why even further and some other points that I have as far as that, the the box, um, the, the, the trunk that he had, um, it reminded me of the boxes of earth that Dracula traveled with and Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. Um, Dracula had dirt from his homeland that he slept on and he was able to regenerate 
from that dirt. Like there was, there's a scene that, you know, he's like very aged and old and decrepit looking and he goes and lays in the dirt and sleeps in the dirt. And then he pops out and he's like the younger version of himself. Yeah. Um, And it had like the strand where they had to bring them in in the boxes of dirt and you know, the vampires that come over or if anybody watches what we do in the shadows is cut up with that. And you got to take that to you with Atlantic city and hopefully the maid doesn't vacuum it up uh, from under the bed. Uh (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And it, it can't just be any kind of dirt. It, it had to be dirt from his homeland. Yeah. Um, and in some vampire mythologies, vampires can only sleep in soil from its burial site or on unconsecrated or, or from like an unconsecrated grave. Um, Dracula could not rest any place but in the earth of his homeland. And it had to be unconsecrated. There were scenes of if, if um, they sprinkled holy water on his dirt boxes, on his boxes of earth, he couldn't lay in it anymore. It was considered consecrated. Um, so I, I definitely got some vibes from... Like it's just what it reminded me of yeah. anyway. So like I said, I'm going to go with, with, with those kind of vibes. Also the, the, this, like the blood sucking of the cats. I mean, <laughs> huh. uh, anyway, um, you know, I, I yeah, I, I wasn't prepared for, uh, animal abuse is I <laughs> yeah, you weren't for an entire just beach line of dead cats. That's yeah. not what, what you signed up for. Happened to these poor cats. <laughs> what I'm saying. This whole poor island of all these poor I'm thinking already, oh my God, these poor kittens who are just multiplying like crazy and they're feral and um probably starving because there's probably more cats than what they have food, you know. Um so I'm thinking, oh these poor cats and now something is like it looks like I don't know if that's what they're doing, but it looks like something is sucking the blood from these cats and killing them. And it was like, I was not prepared for this. So what happened to those poor cats? Um, and we, we talked a little bit about it. Then what did Riley see in the storm? Was it father Paul? Was it the Monsignor? Was it a monster? Was it both? <laughs> so many um, questions and I'm uber excited to explore yeah. and see where they go. Um, I, th- I thought this was a fantastic opener. Um, so yeah, those are my questions. Some of my guesses, some of my speculations, I have no clue. I, I know very little. I've watched the teaser trailer. I've seen just a very brief description of in general what the show's about. I've tried to stay away from all spoilers. Haven't even watched the second episode yet, which I'll probably do right after record yeah it's on on the docket for tonight i think yeah i go to bed (laughs) i have to i have to watch and see what happens next i and i don't know anything i'm trying to stay away from all reactions online um i did see because i was looking at mike flanagan's tweets today um while i was doing my prep and he had retweeted someone's um tweet that said um, Netflix really needs to disable the play next episode, especially going into either going into or after episode five, something of that nature. I, I might be getting that wrong, but I was like, oh shit, what's Good to know? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited to see where the rest of this goes. Um, so do you have any notes? Uh, let's see what I got that I've, I've dipped into some of them. Uh, Let's see, just random notes. Usually what's left is like just some random. Uh, We're good with random. Notice things. Uh, uh, Lisa, when she's on her porch, I was like, um, I don't see a ramp anywhere. She's in a wheelchair. How does she get down off that porch? 
I noticed those things really easily uh, from years of constantly scaping and scoping handicap accessibility in all places I go to. Yeah, that's your job. Yeah. yeah. So I was just like, um, where's the ramp on her porch? They had a ramp up to the church. I noticed that. And I was like, I, I thought the same one. thing, but I think <laughs> that I spotted it when they there was a shot, side shot of, uh-huh. of her. It looked like it was to her right. Okay. I think I saw a There's ramp. like bushes and her. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think in the side, I think you could see it in the side. You can't see it from the front of the house, but you saw it from the side views. I think it was off to the side. Cause I was thinking the same thing. I was like, don't tell me they're hauling this poor girl up and down these steps in a wheelchair. Come on now where you can build a poor, you can build a ramp here. Yes. Um, And they did at least have one for her at church. They did. They, you could see that someone had later adapted, built a, a ramp right on top of the steps there for her to be able to access the church. So Mm -hmm. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. And then the only other one, there's another random thing. It was Uker, which what a name. Um, yeah. How do you stick with that one? Is uh, just casual racism and ableism. He's um, <laughs> no, uh, talking because Ali is Aladdin, uh, of course. Um, and then Lisa, he just keeps referring to Warren's got a crush on Roller Girl, which is wonderful. Um, it was, yeah. It's like, no disrespect. Awesome. I just, you know, and I was like, Sure. Okay. I was yeah. like, I mean, he could be kind of funny, but also he's like that kid. And I'm like, he's also kind of obnoxious. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he's just that typical, like, oh, he's, he's that guy. He is that guy. I guess when it's, with, if you only have like three choices, you, you, your friends are going to be who they are. Who's there? I guess you don't really, yeah. Really pick them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you really be like, okay, well, I guess I'll go hang out with this other group of kids now because these guys are jerks, but it's like, there are no other groups of kids. To hang out with. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> Yikes. So true. Okay. Any other notes? That's it. Awesome. I actually have a couple. I am. I don't know that I took too many from here. Um, I do want to mention that some of the older characters on the show, like Riley's dad, his mom and the doctor's mom have all been aged up. Mm. Right. Like, and some of it's kind of obvious. The doctor's Um, mom for sure. It's like, "Mm, yeah. So (laughs) yeah. And I feel like, um, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's not great. Like Henry Thomas, you know, I, cause I thought it was kind of interesting. I was like, gosh, Henry Thomas. And I don't have uh, the, the actress's name in front of me. So I apologize with actress playing his mom. They're not that much older than Zach Guilford. Yeah. So I was kind of like, Hmm. So they've aged them up. And like you said, the doctor's mom, some interesting choices there, uh, yeah. makeup and prosthetics. So I feel like there has to be like a flashback or something that's going to happen because I feel like I'm basically, I'm expecting a payoff as the story unfolds as to, mm-hmm. you know, why they've we chosen to, we're going to see younger versions of them. So it's going to be like a flashback or some kind of thing. And they've decided to go that route. And cause I think it was mentioned, I saw someone online mention, well, why they, why didn't they just get like older care, like real, characters that would be that age to play them and then just have like the younger versions of them played by a different set of characters. I don't know if that they just didn't want to go that route. Also this show was um, filmed entirely during the pandemic, like full on the pandemic was happening. So of course there were some extreme limitations um, to, you know, the sets and how they can film and the restrictions. I don't know if they were just trying to limit actors, you know, um, to a minimum, but I don't know. I'm feeling like there's going to be a payoff because I know that, um, some of it I thought was a little questionable as far as the 
the prosthetics and things like that. Um, I also wondered if Father Paul, which you mentioned earlier, wearing that uh, golden chasuble is significant. Um, Miss Keene said that it's worn for a feast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're real stuck on this vampire thing, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> you know, if I haven't mentioned it already, it's definitely been like my thing. I've been obsessed with vampires <laughs> since as long as I can remember. Um, well, we know the cats were feasted on. Um, also, could it just be, and, and I'm, I'm open to this as well, because I'm just throwing out all kinds of different questions and possibilities. Um, could it just be that he's not who he seems to be? Like, maybe he isn't a man of God and therefore right. would not know that mm-hmm. that golden chasuble should only be worn during certain times, you know, yeah. or whatever. And the parishioners did comment, you know, that there was something kind of off about a sermon. And he did kind of play off of that when she questioned him on it, like, you know, oh, hey, I think maybe you should have worn like the green one instead. And he starts to just play it off. Like he's just like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And kind of going with the flow, like he's a complete fraud. Um, so maybe he just didn't know, but I just thought it was interesting. Um, did you know um, our beloved Carla uh, Gugino had a cameo Ooh, really? in this episode? Yeah. Didn't see her face though. She was, she voiced the judge that sentenced ah, Riley. Nice. If you go back like, and listen, you'll be like, oh, that's her. That's awesome. Yeah. Another her. Uh, Flanagan favorite. Yes. Yes. <laughs> A little disappointed that we won't see, like, I'm guessing that's the only time if, if we've heard her um, that we may not actually get to see her, but I'm glad that she was involved. Um, yeah. She's great. We love her. Um, That was all of my notes, but something fun that I wanted to do, and I didn't warn you about this ahead of time. So, (laughs) (laughs) uh oh, no. We're going to have a ranking for each episode. Um, I thought it would be kind of fun to rank um, people in this or in each episode, um, a person on the show that is closer to God versus someone who may be a little too chummy with the devil. So, you know, a character that's closer to God versus a character that's the devil's minion in the episode. So I'm going to put you on the spot, give you a moment to kind of think, who do you think this episode was closer to God? Huh? There's no wrong answer. I know. It's not a, Um, it's not a you know what? I'm going to go out on like a really weird limb here. It's a character. I don't even know her name. I didn't write it down, but I'm going to go with the doctor because okay. she's got a lot going on with taking care of her mother. Uh, clearly her mother also has some kind of form of like dementia, or Alzheimer's or something yeah. like that. And she's dealing with like, you know, while taking care of Aaron and her pregnancy, she's got her mom just like walking. Like, I guess, I mean, a small town thing, like her doctor's office is also her house. Yeah. Um, and you know, so her mom's just walking in and you can tell us like, you know, oh yeah, you know, your bedroom's not upstairs anymore after you fell or after you got hurt. So you're down here now and she's having to wake up in the middle of the night mm-hmm. helping her mom, you know, no, we're going to come back down off the stairs and being there to, you know, comfort her when the storm is freaking her out. And so, you know, I'm going to give that, I'm going to give close to God to the doctor, <laughs> which I like next it. week I will have her name, but uh, <laughs> you know what? Honestly, I don't think I had her name either. I know it's Annabeth Gish, which, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, I, a huge X-File fan here. Um, and she was in that show. So I always remember her from that. I know she's been in a 
lots of other things, but yeah, she's great. Um, I'm going to go with Anne, Riley's mom. That woman prayed every day when Riley was away. Yeah. Went to mass every day. Even if there wasn't a mass, she said the rosary for him. That woman, um, I feel in this episode, closer to God. She's my choice. All right. So if you had to pick Devil's Minion, who's your choice for this episode? Man. Um, I'm going just (laughs) because there's so many things I'm like, uh, you know, uh, suspicious about, even though he hasn't done anything necessarily that I've seen, but I've got to go with Father Paul. Um, yes, he's my he just, choice too. He just creeps, he just creeps me out. Like I said, there's just something about him. I'm like, because it usually, you know, he just seems like, oh, he's just this awkward guy trying to fit in. But I think it's that Chasuble scene where it's like she catches him off guard, and like you see, like I said, like, like a little moment of panic. Where he's like, quick, come up with something because yep. I'm being found out. Like I see something there. I was like, mm, I don't trust you now. <laughs> yep. He, and and for that exact reason, something's definitely off with him. Explain that trunk, buddy. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I just thought throw a little fun in there, like something a little different. Um, I'll, and I'll, ha- I'll see it coming next week so I can think about it more. <laughs> I know. I was putting it in there. It was kind of a last minute. I got a little inspiration and I was like, oh, Pig's going to kill me. Um, I haven't given him any time to think about this at all. But, you, t- you know, like I said, there were no wrong answers. Just thought it would be kind of fun um, to kind of play off the religious theme a little bit and um, nice. talk about that. Um, so, yeah, I I think that was great. Um if that, I think that's covered all of our notes. Um, and that was a great start. I think, um, I actually do have some news items. So everyone bear with me. I know I don't often have news and there probably won't be a whole lot of news after, um, this episode because, um, it's hard to stay out of spoiler territory since, um, people, I mean, the, the entire series is out there. So people are writing about it, talking about it. So this will probably be one of the last times that I do news unless I can find something spoiler free. Um, I wanted to pull a couple of items from an interview that Variety did with Raul Coley um, that I thought was interesting. Um, The first thing they say, they said, you called Midnight Mass the best project you've ever been involved in. Was that because of the subject matter and the character or the experience making it? He says, I meant it more in terms of content. I don't believe it's my best performance, but this is the first time I felt I was a part of something bigger than me. It was just being a part of this incredible story and being a part of this ensemble. The story in particular has been Mike's Holy Grail. It's taken him a very long time to get to this, and it's very special to be involved. The experience itself wasn't the best I've ever had, and that was not due to the cast or crew. It was due to the times. We were shooting in the height of the pandemic, and that is, for many reasons, no way to work. Those conditions were extremely restrictive because we were one of the first shows to do it. Our guidelines that we agreed upon with the Canadian government and SAG were probably overzealous. But this was at a time when we weren't sure if you could get COVID from your Amazon parcel or your eyeball. Um, We all isolated, isolated and in part because of the character, I bubbled hard. If I wasn't on set or at the gym, I didn't leave my apartment. And it's usually times you bond with cast members. I didn't do that, even when we were testing. It worked for my character to not really feel accepted. Um, Then they ask him, how did Mike come to you with this new role? And what was the deciding factor in taking it, even though you'd have to work under these conditions that were so complicated? He said, I asked Mike how old I would be playing. And he said, early 40s. So I asked if I should put on weight. And he was like, sure. 
he had a box of pizza on the coffee table and I picked up a few slices and I was like, I'll start now. So I started started up putting on weight during Bly Manor and ended up putting on 30 pounds of fat. He said, I was doing everything I could for uh, Hassan. I had a LAPD ride along. I arranged weapons training. I was having a dialect coaching. My best friend, who's also a consultant on our show, um, was doing Islamic prayer with me. We get to the table read in Vancouver and COVID lockdown starts. We were supposed to shoot on Monday, but on Friday, we got a call to say, go home. We were told we'd be back in two weeks, but it turned into four or five months. So I was trying to hold on to 30 pounds of fat, thinking every two weeks we'd go back, but it was killing my health. I ended up texting Mike a picture of Joel from The Last of Us because I was playing that at the time. And I said, I think that's the sheriff. What do you think? He said, I fucking love that. Let's go for that. <laughs> I love it. Isn't that great? And I, I love, just love him more and more now. Um. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. And and I mean, that is true. I think Matt, um, Mike Flanagan tweet or no, sorry, it was Raul Cooley or Cooley said, yep, this is who, who my inspiration was. And I love that because I'm a huge Last of Us I fan. I love those games so much. So yeah. Oh, <laughs> talk about emotions that will just trigger you mm-hmm. um yes huge fan of the last of us here um love joel um so i love that love that that was his inspiration so thought that was fun and because we love raul, uh, raul coley i wanted to put something in there from him um we have something from the la times took a couple of um, parts of an interview with uh hamish link later um he's <laughs> so apparently on his first day of shooting midnight mass he split his pants <laughs> Nice. <laughs> um, he was already trepidatious about having to shoot nine pages of monologue on that first day. He says, I was in a pretty white hot panic, but I was so excited to finally get to go back to work. And it was so emotional. He said, my jeans split right down from crotch to knee. <laughs> it was just a reminder of the times we are in. You can make all your best plans, but it's one foot in front of the other with a lot of wind blowing where you probably wish it wasn't. Um when they asked him, they said, what attracted you to this role in particular? He says, I mean, the scale of the role really was so, or really what was, what was so exciting getting to use this beautiful language and having these beautiful sermons to deliver was thrilling. What I hadn't really anticipated. And of course, no one could have anticipated at this time was that we were going into lockdown and be in our houses. I'm a theater actor. I grew up in a theater company sitting outside watching plays. I have a certain extroverted bent, but I had no idea if I was going to actually get to perform in front of people. Having a parish and a congregation, getting to do these exquisite monologues, it was just like bursting out of a cave. It was such an incredible gift. Um, And then they ask, um, are you a fan of Stephen King? And what was it like working with Mike Flanagan, a super fan? He says, yeah, totally. I was like a massive gunslinger fan. I wasn't so much into the horror-y side of things. I'm not a horror fan because it scares me too much. But I had seen The Haunting of Hill House, and he does something, which I think he does in Midnight Mass as well, which is get under your skin. But then he gets under your ribs as well and dabbles his feet around your psyche. With Hill House, you're talking about siblings. You're talking about family and the horror of family. Oh, I love that. He puts so that. Good. So yeah. good. Yeah, I love that. Um, and I, it makes me love him even more because he's a gunslinger fan. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, and then from Entertainment Weekly, um, 
we talk a little bit about, about Mike Flanagan because I think it's it's really important to kind of get a little bit of the context and this inspiration that Mike Flanagan had for this and the journey um, to get Midnight, Midnight Mass made. Um, so Kate Siegel, his wife, um, remembers how the story has taken on many forms over the years as his um, he persistently redrafted uh, Midnight Mass. She says it was a movie, it was a novel, it was a series. Um, it couldn't work as a film, says Flanagan's longtime producer, partner Trevor Macy, who first saw a feature script for Midnight Mass while working on 2013's Oculus, also helmed by Flanagan. It was just too long. The first two acts alone ran in 155 pages. So they began thinking uh, more of it as a show. Problem was nobody wanted to take it. Macy and Flanagan shopped the project around to several networks. Everyone passed. Um, I always thought of this as the best project I would never make, Flanagan remarks. For years, Midnight Mass simply existed as a fun Easter egg popping up again in the director's adaptation of Stephen King's Gerald's Game. And that 2017 movie, Carla Gugino, handcuffed Jesse, tries to scare off a starving dog by grabbing for the one thing in her reach, a single copy of Midnight Mass. Flanagan still has that hardcover book in his home, but as for the rest of the ones he printed, well, that's another mystery. Um, Flanagan had plans to return to Midnight Mass in book form for The Haunting of Hill House, specifically in the background of a bookshop scene with Michael Hoosman and Stephen Crane. But in shipping them to Atlanta in between projects, they mysteriously vanished. That's a bummer. Um, so in a letter, Flanagan wrote to critics ahead of Midnight Mass's premiere. He mentioned that he's now three years sober himself. The story is clearly a very personal one in which Flanagan confronts some of the ghosts from his own past in a fictionalized context, something he never found daunting. I don't know how long I could have gone uh, without writing it, he says. There's a very natural thing that happens where if you're writing anything that tiptoes into a personal space, you find yourself vomiting up all sorts of things into it. It's happened to me with Hill House in a pretty big way. It happened with The Haunting of Bly Manor. This one, though, this was a story I always wanted to tell. If you believe in a higher power, a concept that sparks complex feelings within Flanagan and his characters, the stars aligned now for a reason. Flanagan doesn't believe he could have made Midnight Mass in 2014, even if a network had latched onto it at the time, because he wasn't sober in 2014. He says, I could write about alcoholism, but I couldn't write about sobriety, not intelligently. It's by far the most personal thing I've ever been lucky enough to work on. And it sounds like the success of Hill House is what generated uh, Midnight Mass into a reality, of course, because that was huge. Um, and he goes on to say what made it exciting and kind of scary and uncomfortable sometimes was that I really wanted to make sure that I was playing both sides of the board as passionately as I could. All of the characters from Riley, who values logic and reason, to Father Paul, who unflinching, unflinchingly puts his fate in the Almighty's hands, to Aaron, who somewhere in between represent different parts of the director who are constantly in conversation and often in disagreement with each other. He says, here's this long scene I had written about atheism. Let me look at that a few years later and rebut it. Let me try to honestly come in and challenge my own idea. Here's the long scene about alcoholism. Let me try to really come in and talk about recovery, Flanagan recalls. Being in conversation with my various selves over the last 11 years that have all dipped into the story, that's what makes it so personal for me. I don't know that I'll ever be lucky enough to have that experience again with another piece of work. That is great. Powerful stuff. And mm. you can, um, you know, I, I kept hearing how this was like his holy grail and like is more personal to him than his other works. And um, it's kind of interesting to now kind of get that story a little bit. So yeah. kind of wanted to hear from the man himself as to as we begin this journey into midnight mass um 
you know, about that a little bit. really dive into it now too. Yeah, absolutely. Super awesome. Okay. That's all that I had for the news. Like I said, probably won't have too much more um, moving forward. Kind of hard to find uh, the non-spoilery stuff. So I tend to avoid it if possible. So on to our favorite part, and that is the listener feedback. You want to take the first one for me, Pate? Yeah. This first one comes from Maureen Favo. Says, I guess if you're going to wake in the middle of the night, seeing midnight mass isn't too bad of an option. <laughs> One, lighting of the show is amazing. How great to be able to see what is happening in night shots. <laughs> Two, cats. Lots of cats, and you can almost smell them. <laughs> Three, WTF was glowing in the trunk. What else was in the trunk? How can a trunk make me so uneasy? <laughs> mm-hmm. Four, looking forward to speculation on who Father Paul is. I don't think diocese, uh, the diocese sent him. Impersonator? Number five, anyone else wondering if he spiked the water or wine? I am overly suspicious. Can't wait to hear your takes. Ooh, I don't know. You make a lot of good points there. A lot of them that I agree with. Yeah. I don't know where you, like, I guess would come up with that until I thought of it. And then it's like, he's purposely points out to Riley. Oh, you sat back during communion, didn't you? And it's like, well, why do you care? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> so, That's yeah, a good point. Really um, interesting. Well, and again... I'm clearly until I am proven otherwise, I'm on this vampire trope. This is kind of what I'm <laughs> I'm going with. They lingered quite a lot as he was going through the ritual with the communion. Like he held mm-hmm. up when he held up the um, chalice of the wine yeah, and like the camera was down on it and just lingered. Yeah. And again, as we pointed out before, Mike Flanagan doesn't do anything by mistake. Everything is, is purposeful. All, apparently, you know, Uker and Warren, the, the altar boy's job was to pour the wine. And so when they got there, it's like, somebody, well, somebody, already already, did. somebody already did it. And then that's when Paul shows up. So that's a good point. Get into his own hands. Yeah. I was thinking more of just um, the blood because it's mm-hmm. the blood of Christ. Yeah. And blood and vampires. But I think that it's also a really good theory to put out there that maybe he did do something. Why was the wine already poured when it's normally something the altar boys would do? And they did kind of linger on it mm-hmm. um, up above his head and, you know, kind of made of a point to, to um, as Miss Keene was, you know, giving it to the parishioners, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> Hopefully we'll find out. And uh, thanks. Marim Favo. Um, Next one is from Lindsay Schlick. She says, hmm, what to say? Well, I'm not entirely on board yet, but I'm not turned off either. I'm also not worried about it since I'm always iffy on pilot episodes of shows. What they did well, the cast. Glad to have Henry Thomas and Kate Siegel on my screen again, along with the housekeeper couple from Hill House. Was over the moon to see the guy who played Owen is on the show too. I didn't realize he was in the cast and he's my favorite from Blind Manor. The new priest is sufficiently creepy. And the town Karen is about as awful as you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> uh. The intrigue of the story has me to this creature thing, eating cats, the old priest running around in the storm, this giant box in the priest's house, closed captioning said banging in truck, which makes me wonder what's been in there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What I'm not loving, the props, makeup, special effects department. Two of the actors, the mom and the doctor's elderly mother, clearly seem to be young actors in bad aging makeup to me. Unless there will be flashbacks where we need these younger actors, I can't understand why they didn't use age-appropriate actors. And the end scene, 
wow, the seagulls look like actual cartoon animation to me. And I have stuffed cat toys from the 80s that look more realistic than those dead cats on the beach. (laughs) As someone who usually can't watch any animal death on shows, I should not be laughing at hundreds of dead cats on a beach, but I did. I really hope these things improve or are no longer part of the story because they really took me out of it. All in all, really looking forward to this new show. Awesome. Thanks, Lindsay. And this one comes from Daphne, my Run For Your Lives co-host. Hey, Daphne. (laughs) She says, uh, just wanting to share my perspective as someone who grew up up on an island in Maine, albeit we had a bridge and not ferries, although they did at one time, and my mom talked about going back and forth on them. However, there are still a few islands here that have ferries. Things were a bit less concentrated housewise on my island, and we didn't have a sheriff, but kids on bikes was a common thing, and it's easiest to get around to friends' houses or go on an adventure with friends. The catch quotas are less of a thing, and mostly there are restrictions on fishing areas. Religion is definitely still a focal point. When talking about an incoming storm, boats would be brought into a cove together, similar to securing the marina, but there wasn't really a community shelter. So far, I'm really digging this series, and I'm looking forward to seeing how Mike Flanagan... or I'm looking forward to seeing... (laughs) Finish how that... I guess what Mike Flanagan has in store to terrify us for weeks to come. Yep. That looks good. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'm, that's super cool. I forget that Daphne grew up in like the new England. Well, I know she's in Maine, but not knowing that she was like in an Island um, in Maine and what that might be like. So she's definitely got an interesting perspective about some Island life. Yeah. Thanks Daphne. From her on that later, if something interesting comes up again. (laughs) Yeah. I can't wait to hear it. Keep uh, writing in and letting us know Daphne. Um, all right. So we did get a couple of voicemails as well. Um, first one that we have is from our good friend, Greg, who we know, um, has followed some other Mike Flanagan tales and he's also a big Stephen King fan. So I'm interested to see what Greg has to say. Hey, strange indeed. This is Greg calling about Genesis, the first episode of midnight mass. Well, it's good to be back watching some more Mike Flanagan stuff and this episode in particular and it seems like this series uh, is addressing a couple things that I'm relatively uh, familiar with one institutionalization um, Riley was in prison and is out and he's like I have, don't understand what I'm supposed to be doing especially because I don't feel like I deserve to be living and all that I, I can appreciate that um, military wise I'm kind of facing that when I retire. I'm sure I'm going to have a job and still have family and all that, but, uh, uh, you know, I can understand a little bit of where he's coming from. Um, and then small New England towns, which uh, I thought that they, they really did a good job of of uh, giving a representation of, hey, these you know, people live in hard times in Fisher cities or Fisher towns. Uh are basically completely dependent upon what they bring in. And anyway, I thought the, the tone was creepy. Uh, Hamish Linklater is one of my favorites, uh, and it's cool to see him. And uh, look forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Bye. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that there must be a similarity there because, you know, Riley was talking about, like, their, um, how rigid prison life is like there was routine you know 
maybe a purpose, you know, he knew what he was going to do every day. And I feel like um, that can be kind of similar to military life, right? You think that's where Greg was going? Like you, you know, you get up and you have to do this and you have like tasks or chores or just things that you do every single day, you know, training and just Just instead of like, what do you want to do? It's like, it doesn't matter because I'm going to, doesn't matter. I'm going to do, you're going to, you you have to do this. It's your routine. Yeah. Yeah. Now just thrown back into the world of now you just do anything and right. doesn't know where to find his footing in that. So yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I love that. Thank you, Greg. All right. So we did get another voice message from our good friend, Steve. Let's see what he thought of Midnight Mass. Hello, Pake and Rima. This is Steve, and this is going to be for Midnight Mass. I have absolutely no clue what this show is about or anything. I don't think I've looked up anything online or watched a trailer. I don't think I've watched a trailer. Did I? I don't know. Anyway, here it is. Okay, I'm I'm going to try to continue, but there's a bit of a triggering thing for me at the beginning of this episode uh, with watching uh, EMTs perform CPR on someone. So it's it's going to be cool to hear Pate talk about the music uh, from this because obviously the music is a big part of at least this episode. Okay, that's super creepy hearing the cat's sounds around these guys as they're walking to wherever they're going, but it's creepy to me. So they're discussing this storm that's coming in and where they're going to shelter at. And it's interesting that we haven't seen the church yet, but they they say they're going to shelter in the church, not in the school. Has Henry Thomas even spoken during this scene at all? Oh, there he goes. Okay, he finally says something. It's not funny. Whoa, something just took out that cat. And I don't know what it was. Interesting, a little ominous that the former Monsignor won't be there and we have this new father coming in. I, I know this is setting up the season for us, you know, establishing the characters, but man, there's just a lot of talky talk. This, I mean, we're getting a lot of information in this conversation between Riley and what's her name? The pregnant girl? Anyway. Uh, yeah, just a lot of talky talk. This monologue about, you know, coming back from prison, I mean, it's really great, but at the same time, dude, it's been a day. Give yourself a chance. Oh, the cats. Oh, no, don't go to the next episode. Get out of there. Uh, all right. Episode one, weird. Can't wait to hear you guys explain this one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we did a very good job of explaining. We don't know too much yet, but um, uh, but yeah. yeah. You mentioned the music thing. I really didn't bring that up, but uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Uh, Neil Diamond, for sure. Uh, is I love Neil Diamond A big Diamond part so of this much. episode, but uh, yeah. But yeah, and then like, you know, just kind of the one of them being hit with a, a Suleiman, but, uh, you know, but like the the hymns and a lot of the kind of like religious music and stuff, I think that is definitely going to be a, a focal point on this series. And it's really interesting to, to hear and listen to. Yeah, uh, I feel like anytime we watch something with Mike Flanagan, music is very purposeful. Um, and kind of goes along with what's happening in the moment uh i thought the music was great and i love neil diamond longtime fan um all right i lost my place so give me a second (laughs) not anything new here for sure all right so 
thank you everyone for the amazing feedback. I mean, um, I, I, I know everyone's kind of like, well, I'm not sure how we're feeling yet. It's the first episode. Um, I feel like it's, you know, only seven episodes and we're going to get some story. So I'll be interested to see what everyone thinks by the second episode. So it uh, sounds like we've got some, some folks that like it and others that aren't quite sure yet. So I'm interested to see um, what we get for next week. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. All right. Well, I just wanted to kind of mention before we start talking about what's next week, um, kind of goes into with next week and then what you're going to find after this episode. So um, for anyone that didn't catch it, I did try to put something on uh, our Facebook page, but I know not everyone follows um, and maybe you only listen. So I wanted to let everyone know that after this episode, like after there's going to be kind of like a little special after show, and that's going to be um, our coverage of uh, Great British Bake Off. Um, we typically like last year was our first year to cover this show. We just decided what the hell I know it was totally not something you would expect for us to cover on this show, but we thought, you know what, we needed something that we, well, one, we're all just fans of the show anyway, but deciding to do a podcast on it was something not typically, not something typically we cover on the show, but we loved it so much. Wanted to talk about it. I think we got some fairly good reception. There were some pe- people that were fans of it and actually do enjoy the show too. But, um, you know, we, Pake and I have already talked about, um, you know, that all of the different things that we have going on with the podcast right now, um, all the episodes that we're going to be covering, the shows that we're going to be covering. Pake's got double duty on his podcast. Um, Jason, who guested with me last year on uh, the Bake Off coverage, um, He's also very full on his plate. Um, We're all doing a lot of things and could not find the time and capacity in our schedules to be able to do a whole entire episode for Bake Off. So we've decided to do um, a shorter version of the podcast. It's going to be attached to each um, regular Strange Indeed episode that we publish. It's going to be after. So after you hear us um, sign off, if you stick around, you'll find Great British Bake Off. So for anyone that is interested in listening, please continue to listen after. Um, And then if you don't enjoy um, Great British Bake Off or don't want to hear us talk about it, then you don't have to worry about skipping over it. You can just at the end of the show, um, you can, you know, turn it off and you don't have to listen to it. I hope that you do uh, because we, had a we fun have conversation. It's... We had a really fun conversation. I mean, mm. even if you don't enjoy or watch the show, you might just enjoy us talking about it. I don't know, because you know what? We are fun people mm-hmm. um, and we just have a good time talking about it. So just want to kind of let people know um, to be looking for that um, after um, and I hope that you guys listen to it and enjoy it. So next week on Strange Indeed, um, we are going to be covering the second episode of Midnight Mass titled Book Two Psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, I've over quite a bit from Genesis to Psalms. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I found, find it interesting, though, that... Um, there's set, let's see, seven episodes, and they are each so far titled Books of the Bible. Yeah. Seven I, is a very uh, important biblical number in a lot of ways, too. <laughs> it is. It is. So, so, yeah. that And I don't have a description. I'm trying to stay away from some of that, so I can't tell you 
what happens. You may have already watched it for all I know. Um, but yeah, so this episode is going to be published a little early. Um, the second episode for book two Psalms will be on our regular schedule. We'll come back in a couple of days and record that one. And we should be back to a somewhat normal ish schedule, but want to kind of put something out early for you guys. So be looking for that soon. Well, we are excited that you followed us to the crock pot. Um, we ask that you also follow us on Twitter at strange Tcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash stranger and be sure to email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. And go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts. Speaking of great podcasts, be sure to check out Paik and Daphne on their podcast called Run for Your Lives. Got any special yeah. teases this week? Yeah, this week's episode. Let's see. Um well, the one that's up right now, uh, since you are such a big fan of all the vampire stuff that you're talking about this week, the current episode of Run For Your Lives you can find right now, uh, for sure, is 30 Days of Night. I that. love it. <laughs> so that was that was a lot of fun. And then the next one, which I think even when the next episode, when we cover episode two of Midnight Mass, will still be the same. Like, it's upcoming because we're recording and releasing this a little early. Yeah. So, uh, but the one that's upcoming, so next week's episode of Run For Your Lives will be the first part of our first double dip to where we are cover- we'll are we be covering George Romero's 1978 Dawn of the Dead. Ooh. And then the week after that, we'll be covering Zack Snyder's 2004 Dawn of the Dead as kind Sweet. of like the back two weeks in a row. We'll cover the original and remake of that movie and kind of compare and contrast, talk about the differences. It's a lot of fun. I'm excited for those episodes to come out. Excellent. Excellent choices, my friend. Well, that'll be fun. Well, be sure to check them out, guys, because um, they're excellent. Thank you. Well, all right. That is our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Kate. And Maureen Favo is strange indeed. Hey, everyone. Um, so we're going to jump in and talk about uh, Great British Bake Off. Um, we decided this year, uh, since we all have so many podcasts going on right now, that we just do not have the capacity to um, cover the show entirely on its own podcast episode. So this week, um, I'm really excited to have Jason joining us. Hey, Hello. Jason. <laughs> um, with me. It's kind of talk cool. about it <laughs> having like this light show at the end because in a way it's like oh, it's our own little dessert after <laughs> talking cleanser. about midnight yeah. mass and the heaviness that's going to come with this show it's like well we can at something least sweet have some, at the end something sweet at the end yeah yes yes <laughs> maybe savory a, some weeks who knows yeah it might be savory but it's a little bit light either way yeah, um yeah. considering the dark material dark and heavy material that pake and i are going to be covering as we're talking about midnight mass so i'm really excited we, we love this show so much that we still wanted to still um talk about it and do cover something. it yeah, do something yeah. on it. Even though we didn't have the opportunity to do like a full podcast on it like we did last year, we still love it and wanted to do something. And I think some of y'all did get a kick out of um, us covering it. So we still wanted to do it. I hope, you know, everyone enjoys it because um, I'm really excited to, you know, have the show back. Um, this week we're covering um, Great British Bake Off um, Collection 9, Episode 1, Cake Week. So it's good to have the show back. How are you guys feeling about it so far? 
first episode. I, I'm happy. It's just it is. It's one of those shows that's just a nice uh, palate cleanser, if you will, um, mm-hmm. for just a lot of what's going on in the real world, but then also a lot of shows that we enjoy that have a lot of dark tones and stuff from too. It's nice to just mm-hmm. set all that aside and be like, I'm just gonna watch a bunch of British people make pastries and cakes and be supportive of each <laughs> yes. other and make jokes and it's going to be great and yeah. some crazy billy ray cyrus parody at the beginning that i absolutely did not expect <laughs> nope set the tone really well so yeah <laughs> well, between like what we do in the shadows being back on this thor party episode of what if uh-huh. ted lasso so huge oh, and bake yeah. off i'm like maybe this isn't my alternative anymore i just want to feel good about right. stuff <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh yeah watching this episode i was like oh i'm back in it i love it i i'm kind of bummed that we can't do a full-on podcast but we just have too many other shows coming out in the next couple of months to be able to Mm -hmm. give it justice like we did last time that was really fun though to be able to do like a whole hour and a half on each episode but i made a huge effort to limit my note taking this time (laughs) (laughs) that's okay that's okay um we're we're just gonna kind of do this on the fly we'll see however long it takes um i want to try and do it justice but at the same time um you know kind of honor uh the the limited time that we do have so we thought we would kind of start off and talk a little bit about our favorite bakes um who wants to go first with their first favorite bake of this new season um i guess i'll start uh just because i have something here um i think mine uh is actually from the signature the mini rolls at the beginning and I think it's the first one they even focused on. But it was Christelle and her chai and chai again. Yeah, because I like puns. But then also like chai spice <laughs> with the, like the coconut yeah. and stuff. Like it was a really unique combo. And I was like, I would eat so many of those. It would be sad. <laughs> like it would just be like <laughs> it looked great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. There were there were a lot of like chocolatey and the kinds of things I like uh, coffee or chocolatey kinds of things, but. Um, just what really stood out, there were two things. I guess I'm going more on looks this time, but that wave cake, even though it was kind of sloppy, it just mm-hmm. looked like so uh, frenetic, like action yeah. happening here. And I kind of enjoyed that. And then it yeah. fell over and actually did happen. Um, <laughs> so that was pretty <laughs> cool. I guess it didn't taste that good. And then um, the like Super Mario floating cloud thing was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those gravity ones looked really cool, but Greta's flower cake, looked i think the most beautiful to me and from a 19 year old it's crazy Mm -hmm. so those are just a few that stood out to me yeah she's she's super talented um i think for me my favorite bake again pulling from the showstoppers i mean everything just looked absolutely amazing there's some really great talented people but uh the one thing that really dazzled me was uh christelle's um showstopper with her bouquet of flowers Mm -hmm. I thought that was just beautiful uh, mm-hmm. and just a true work of art. Kind of sad when Paul stabbed it with his knife to take a slice, um, but as he does. Um, and of course, it tasted amazing too. I think she has a way with flavor, so I, I'm I'm interested to see what she does um, as you know we move on throughout the season and they have their different challenges. Um, yeah, because I I love a good flavorful dish, whether it's you know a pastry, whether it's something sweet or savory, and I think she's going to do really well. Um, she yeah, I, she was interesting. Um, 
I, I couldn't decide whether I liked her or not. And I don't, you don't need to, it's only episode one, but just based <laughs> off of this, mm-hmm. I think I did. I got to like her more later on, but when she said that this, there is a swirl in there, but it's an ad- abstract swirl. I'm like, <laughs> okay, you're a bullshitter. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give her props for trying. Uh- <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I liked her. She was trying, um, <laughs> It's all about the flavor, and it was there. Okay, so as far as what we think about, um, at least so far in this first episode, was there any uh, a standout moment that you that you guys kind of focused on or stood out to you or made an impact on you? Anything funny or just interesting? Peak. See, I've got a couple of notes I can pull from. Um, okay. Again, I'm going, I had a lot of like really thoughts. I thought they started really strong with the signature stuff, but um, so I guess the standout is Giuseppe there with his roles where he had him yeah. kind of like lightly dipped and mm-hmm. like just perfect. Like he was just measuring them out. Like he's very, it reminded me of, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, unfortunately from last season, who was like always trying to go above and beyond with the creativity. And it like ended up being his downfall. Yeah. The older guy. Yeah. And I feel like Giuseppe's kind of like that, except he's better on time management and he's actually accomplishing it. Yeah. And I think as long as his flavors match the delivery, then I think he'll go far in this. Because I was That's like, the thing, oh, though. this guy is like very precise yeah. and it can be great when it works or it could really like shoot him in the foot. I mean, there's often ones where they are so good at the presentation, but the flavor doesn't quite make it. Yeah. And that's the only reason why I think he didn't get Star Baker. It was this other guy, Jurgen, because yeah. his flavors were good. <clears throat> but his presentation, even though it was good, wasn't as good as Giuseppe's. Mm-hmm. So I think flavor is a little more important there. And if yeah. he, yeah, like you said, if he can get the flavors down, then I think he could run away with it easily. Yep. Yeah, I think- But my, for he, me- Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to uh, say, I, I think the the flavor does make a difference because you could tell even when yeah. they talk about Showstoppers, if it wasn't, because Showstoppers got to be like perfection. Yeah. And even whenever they kind of fell apart a little bit as far as like presentation, if something was like melting or tilting or leaning or something, they were still critical of it, but it won them over whenever it still tasted yeah. good when they hit the flavor. So, and yeah. with Giuseppe's Showstopper, I think they were like, oh, awesome. And then they tried it. Oh, it's a little dry. And it was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll take the wind out of sales of a compliment. Quick. Yeah. You're like, it looks amazing, but... <laughs> Let's move on. No taste. Wouldn't, wouldn't want to eat it though. <laughs> um, uh, for me, the biggest, the best moment. What, well, I'll start with the second one that I'm remembering first. I just thought it was so funny when uh, Noel realized that he and this one woman who I don't remember her name had similar shirts on their oh, little the happy shirts. face shirts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and she's an interesting character. I, like, I'm yeah. going to be Let's curious see. to see yeah. what what she does because she was kind of strange, but in a interesting way She's uh, a quirky one yeah yeah quirky and then but really what got me the most is when maggie won the technical the older mm-hmm. woman she was so happy and i couldn't help but be I mean, moved by, by that yeah <laughs> <laughs> when prue won the technical, yeah, yeah, won the technical. Uh, <laughs> and then freya the youngest got second and her reaction was kind of nice too so that was just a cool moment mm-hmm. i love those moments those <laughs> those were great um Gosh, 
I don't know if I have just one standout moment for me, um, and, and maybe I'll be a little bit more specific um, in the second episode, but it was just, for me, a, a delight to have the show back. You know, when it starts out with its nice, light little music, the theme song that comes on, it just, and the beautiful colors, like everything is just so vibrant in the Great British Baking, Baking Show. You know, when it comes on, it's just that the colors are vibrant. The the music is so light. It was, it was just like, it lifted me up after, because I just watched midnight mass and so it's kind of like dark and heavy and all of a sudden it just lifted me up to see this show and there were just the humor was there noel and his um you know interactions with all the bakers and his funny little lines and stuff making everyone mm -hmm. laugh he always makes an effort to kind of make everyone giggle to kind of break that up that intensity because everybody's so focused and nervous yeah. and, and or if someone's he it. can tell stressing out he tries to help yeah. him he's yeah. so good about just breathe that. yeah yeah, he's great about that. He's got great intuition and just going in there and trying to lighten it up. So yeah. I'd know, like seeing... his job where you just get to talk to people and then eat stuff and not have to make any hard decisions. Oh, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he seems to he still be having judge. fun with it. Yeah, it's like he doesn't have to judge and like hurt anyone's feelings or anything. And he just gets to. <laughs> he does insult people sometimes, but he's one of those types that can get away with that. Yeah. Where you'll still have a smile on your face. Yeah, it's in a it's in a fun way. Yeah. I feel like he's still kind of pure of heart. He's just got a dark Absolutely. sense of humor. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> which I love, I would be I love. if he did that to me. I'd just wear it as a badge of honor yeah. yeah absolutely absolutely so it was just kind of fun to see that whole interaction and you know hearing some of the um you know favorite lines you know when, when prue says oh it's worth the calories um well like the booze you <laughs> like know she booze, had several yeah. <laughs> several bakes with the booze so just seeing all of those things it was like seeing old friends again um yeah. and you know the, the bakers it looks like a really great round of bakers that they've got for this season and again with the kindness that's one thing i've always talked about when we talk about the show is just how kind everyone is everyone's giving a yeah. thumbs up you know like good job good job it looks great you did fantastic you know mm -hmm. brilliant or they're um, upset when a cake falls over which this whole gravity challenge i swear they're just like how can we like engineer a possible fuck up of mag big proportion yeah. or... at least hers got judged first and then yeah I'm like, i'd be like that doesn't count right because you moved on to the next Paul, cake that was all paul's fault he took a huge chunk out of the side of it and just made it like you know so another so this guy jurgen made this book with a lamp hanging over it mm -hmm. and they didn't even taste the lamp i thought that was weird because that was yeah. the part that was suspending, you know? I'd be a little scared of digging into that because if you watch while he's making it, it's really like a smart move structurally, but he was using actual like nuts, bolts, and screws. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah like so. in the... <laughs> like, I, I don't know, those. maybe just take a yeah. fork and start kind of maybe digging in instead of just like taking a knife to it or something like Paul does. He just kind of goes it. in with a yeah, big hack. <laughs> I would just take a fork and start digging in. Um, but yeah. They need to have a food great. fight in, in the tent one of these days right that'd be fun just go for oh, it that would be fantastic i would and i would still eat that shit right off the floor too <laughs> right off my face oh thank you yeah. i don't care at all. it's so good <laughs> anyway okay um so do you guys it's early and things can change people can mm -hmm. leave and we did have someone that left um after yeah, Noel nice told him too. he wasn't going to go first while joking with him earlier in the episode. Mm -hmm. I know. Oops. I was sad already. Like, you know, uh, I yeah. said when we started podcasting about this show the first time, when it first starts up, you're like, I don't care about these people. That's the kind of feeling I have. But 
you know that by the end of the you're going to care intensely about whoever's left yeah and have your favorites but already after this first episode by the end i was starting to really you know feel connected and i was sad for this guy because he just seemed like such a nice guy i was super sad for him i I really really thought he could he could hang in there a little bit and uh yeah first episode i was already you know kind of like oh i'm sorry man (laughs) this sucks to have to let you go but there are some bad bakers this time i mean there are there were you said they all look so good but i don't agree there were some pretty shitty ones well okay a couple (laughs) the backgammon well I'd be, I'd, I have to taste that guy that. had a rough t- time the whole week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean they they sound good in theory, but I mean yeah. maybe the the taste I have to go by what the judges are saying as far as the taste. If they weren't up to par, I have to t- t- taste. For I mean myself. some of them look really sloppy, um, but I think part of that's just that they you know, don't give them enough time. I, yeah, and I get that this is a baking show, but look, I am not the prettiest baker. I, I'm kind of I can relate to so many of the bakers when they um, have issues with how aesthetically like pretty it is like I am a I'm a messy baker I have food everywhere I flour is tossed all over the place it's in my hair it's on the floor um, and I don't have the patience I think for baking um, but so it doesn't always look so pretty but man it tastes awesome so well clearly the culmination of us podcasting on this needs to be that you end up on the show somehow can you fake a right. British accent <laughs> well I can that would be but it's so be good terrible. we somehow <laughs> wind up making so you the first great. American on the show <laughs> hey, can you podcast with me about that when Rima goes on oh yeah <laughs> I would so like, not make the cut amazing. so not make the cut and they my I do not have a good enough British accent people hate my accents so <laughs> there was an American version I don't know if it's still on but if it is I'm going to enter you without you knowing it i'll okay. let you know if you make okay. it okay and when i when i fail and cry you're responsible <laughs> oh. <laughs> my shoulder. So, so speaking of um favorite or standout bakers maybe you don't have a favorite but if there was someone that stood out to you um so far on this first episode Pake, who is your favorite or standout uh, baker? i don't know if i can stick with one person right now because okay. we just well, got like a have, very broad you got to have a number one I gotta have number wanna, one. Gotta, it's, it's the rules. Because <laughs> I've got I've got four that I really like the most. Okay. I'm gonna go ahead and and kind of repeat what I said. I, the b- person I see the most potential in is Giuseppe. Mm-hmm. That's who mm-hmm. I'm going with. And okay. then of course the other that I'm really watching and liking the most, whether it's their personality or their skill, Maggie, Christelle, and Jurgen are the ones that I'm really enjoying as well. Yeah, I go with that. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, for me, I think Jurgen and Giuseppe could have the big rivalry going on. Mm-hmm. I might just be biased because Jurgen won um, Starbaker. That could, as we saw last season, I think I predicted wrong every single time about everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, anyway, those are the two that I, that st- stood out to me as like possible contenders this time i but i if i had to guess who was going to win i would say giuseppe as long as you can get those flavors down because he just was incredible then again he didn't do so well in the technical so right there's some weaknesses there Hmm. Hmm. yeah i think i'm gonna have to go at least so far uh is christelle I just, I loved her personality. I thought she was so super sweet. Um, the way that she would talk about her family, her aunt, whom she 
honored with that bouquet of flowers. And, you know, I thought it was really sweet. She had this melted mess to the side of her. And she's like, oh, no, my mom's going to be so mad. I promised her I'd be neat (laughs) or not be messy or however she said. And I just laughed because we always talk about some of the, you know, the folks that make big messes and the folks that are really super neat. And I just thought um, that was a, a sweet moment. I just thought she had a... She was so bubbly and had a beautiful smile, and she just, um, I thought she was great. But I thought there was a lot of great people. I do like Giuseppe. I thought Jurgen was an interesting character, um, you know, um, a Nobody little answer, answer the phone when he called home at the end for Starbaker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like this show because they, they're not all like, you know smooth you know or mm-hmm. outgoing there's some really quirky people in the show and yeah. i tend to be i mean i guess i'm interested too in the ones that are just naturals that like in front of the camera they're photogenic and everything like the christelle she's charming and beautiful and everything um but i'm also interested in in uh jürgen who just seems like he, uh, he's like this academic, weird, strange guy. Mm-hmm. So he's a little eccentric. I how think. they all, yeah, eccentric, and the woman who, with a happy face shirt who can't remember her name. So it's a, it's an interesting eclectic mm-hmm. bunch as always. Yeah, from yeah, young to it, old. From young to old, um, to different ethnicities and mm-hmm. backgrounds. Like I'm so interested to see how they take a lot of um, like uh, food from like their cultures. Um, and flavors and things and I mean that's what's so great about Great British Baking Show is they always have folks from different cultures and, and areas that yeah. kind of pull from there and throw in some of those like spices that are from you know where they're from um, and so I, I think it's going to be interesting you know yeah. like with Jurgen you know being of like a German descent Giuseppe's Italian um, uh, there's the other guy know. I can't remember his name right now but he's from trinidad so he's got kind of that oh yeah that guy yeah yeah so there's there's i i think there's gonna be some great bakes uh to come with some you know great flavor and um oh and then we have george you know who's greek um you know i think mm-hmm. and then freya who's only 19 i just i'm like i'm watching her and I'm like, she is 19. What am I doing with my life? This kid, <laughs> like, <laughs> she sounds like a, a like an old woman sometimes. The way she talks, like she's got the weight of the world on her shoulders. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny yeah. how some teens are like that. <laughs> yeah, she's great, and I love Maggie. I think she is just. I I, I just I think I there's a know, Freaky Friday was, situation going on here with Maggie yeah. and Freya. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think she's great though. I mean, she's so yeah. lovely, and I think she she could be like my grandma. I just absolutely mm-hmm. just love her, and I think she's got a great personality. I love how her and Paul were kind of going back and forth, as you know, he's <laughs> calling her Prue and teasing her and um, things like that. I think I just think it was great, and I loved Noel's line when um, Prue and Maggie are like speaking to each other over. I, I think it was her signature, and um, Noel was like, "Well, I've never felt more like a chimney sweeper in all my life," you know, because they have. <laughs> if, if you notice, they you know Prue speaks very beautiful, eloquent, proper English, and Maggie has this beautiful accent as well and Noel's like you know you know throwing on his cockney british yeah. accent you know <laughs> made me giggle and I'm like I I thought the same thing they sound just like so beautifully british and charming I just absolutely love it um there was a uh, oh and I forgot to write it down there was a britishism somewhere Jason did you get any of your britishisms that we can no I wasn't appreciate? 
Do you not catch that any? close of attention, yeah. I thought I saw one fuff. Was it fuff? <laughs> faff. Faff. Yeah. I don't know what that is. I think it's garbage. Is it garbage? Okay. Don't Let's know. see. Yeah. To the Google machine. Oh, to, no, I'm wrong. To make a fuss over nothing. Ah, okay. I had never I forget with the context, though, but yeah, I noticed when they said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, I thought it, it meant Freya something more nasty. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I had to, yep, to make a fuss over nothing. There you go. It's okay. funny when we had Derek on, I was like, oh, good. You can like help us with all the Britishisms. And he's like, I, how am I going to notice? It just seems normal to me. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> just how we talk. I don't know. <laughs> that's great. All right. Well, any final thoughts about this episode? Is anyone bold enough to make a prediction? It's so early. It'd be worthless. For me. <laughs> I, know. I know. No, but I, I'll just say it was really fun, and I'm happy it's back on, and look forward to doing these segments. Yeah. Me too. Well, yeah, this was great. So thanks, Jason and Pake, for taking the time um, to, to do this, and thank you, Jason, for um, jumping on with us, because I really really do love the show and i wish we could devote some more time to it but this was fun yeah um so cool. yeah hopefully week, people like it let us know yeah let me know um if if you guys are enjoying this like i said so when to kind of talk about it and i wish we had some time for some listener feedback i still would love if you guys want to write in and let us know what you think about it i would still love to get your thoughts yeah. about it if you guys are watching um is it helping you um you know get through some things um uh you know, I know it does me, puts a smile on my face. So, um, well, next week we'll cover um, episode two um, of Collection Nine, which is yet untitled uh, because Netflix does. It's uh, Biscuit Week. Is it Biscuit Week? Yeah. They hadn't released it on the Netflix schedule. It when showed I saw it, scenes so. from next week or something at the end. Okay. I didn't get that yeah. far. I was trying to catch it before it rolled over. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I missed that part. Thank you. Biscuit Week. Mm-hmm. Yum. Which is cookies, basically. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you Not- know. Not biscuits as we're used to them. Yeah. Dog Especially biscuits. me in the South. I'm well, slathered in gravy. Right. Um, <laughs> I get confused too. about what they consider a biscuit because, you know, there's this whole thing, you know, a lot of us are watching Ted Lasso and they have those Ted Lasso biscuits. Biscuits and- with the boss. Yeah. It can be like a cracker that's really sweet or a cookie or the like crunchy, usually, you know, crispy. Mm-hmm. I would well, say this is, this is none of those things. So that's why I'm really. Yeah, confused. it is sort of. Oh. It's sweet. It's sweet, but it's not yeah, a cracker. It's shortbread, basically. I think it's shortbread. It's a shortbread. Yeah. So that's why I'm confused. I feel like the, the biscuit is like such a broad definition. Um, but anyway, I did make those and they kicked ass. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I made those. Yeah. Ted Lasso. You watch that, Pake? I am Ted Lasso's biscuits. I, I love one. it so much. Yeah. I will mail them out to everyone. I'll see if I can get those little cute little pink boxes. That would be amazing. And send <laughs> them out to the everyone. Yeah. I'd be well, done. I'll bring them to Hershey. <laughs> there. Nice. Um, okay. So, yeah. Okay. So, Collection 9, um, Biscuit Week, next week is what we'll cover. Um, Jason, do you want to tell our audience where they can find you and what you're doing right now? I'm uh, in San Francisco, just sitting here podcasting. <laughs> okay. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Podcastica.com. Yay. Yay. Podcastica. <laughs> 
We're covering what if, if you guys aren't watching that, it's really fun. There was a zombie episode with all the superheroes as zombies and this week Thor partied hard, but there's been a really, a lot of really dark ones because it's alternate Marvel stories. So it's an- beautifully animated with many of the vo- actors returning to do the voices. And, uh, I, I'm really, really enjoying it. Podcasting on it as usual is making it even better than I think it would have been if I, if I hadn't done that. So that's great. That's on House Podcastica. And then we're getting ready to do Cobra Kai, which they just announced starts December 31st. So I guess that we've got a little ways for that. And uh, Lock and Keys coming up. I'm excited for that. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff coming up. Oh, Boba yeah. Fett will we'll do. Yeah. I'm exhausted thinking about it because we're going to be covering. So much. Yeah. We're doing Midnight Mass, Lock and Key, um, and then Dexter. And then of and they're course, all just like rolling into each other. Yeah, rolling <laughs> yeah. into each other, and it's yeah, it's totally fine though. We're gonna be it fine. fine. It's gonna be fine. It's fine. <laughs> Can't complain too much when it's a bunch of good TV. I say, you know, it's a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can just be like, all right, today we're talking about Dexter and Cobra Kai. So, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's the mashup you never knew you yeah. needed. We don't even have to do one and then the other. Just throw in what you like about either at any time. Yeah. Exactly. We're just going to talk about all of it. It's going to be open conversation, like an open, big open panel. Just going to talk about it. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys, for um, doing that. That was really great. Thank you. <laughs> On your marks. Get set. Bake. Bake. <laughs> <laughs>